say hombre, hold another bottle. Look a little closer, cigar in Moscato. An actor in improv coming from Chicago. I'll throw it. Folks, welcome. All right. How's my background? Your, your background looks great, man. I'm, I'm still working on mine. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to have a good background. No, I, if, if it's too distracting, let me know. <laughs> now you're good, man. Good to see you, my friend. Likewise, bro. How you been? I've been well, you know, living the life in Vegas. It's, uh, it's finally starting to uh, warm up a little bit. I'm sure just like in Cali. Yeah, so, man. It feels like, feels like yeah. summertime already. It, it, exactly, it, it, exactly. Have you been um, Have you been on vacation anywhere, or, or do, do you go anywhere? Uh, you know what, man, my, my vacation is, like, just, like, I really don't take vacations, man. Like, all of a sudden, I just, like, man, you know what, I need a couple of days off or whatever, you know, and we just take off to somewhere in Mexico or, you know, anywhere we can, man. <laughs> You, you ever go where, where like Tijuana or, or like somewhere no, like Mexico? We go like deep, like deep down, like to Jalisco, you know, like Puerto Vallarta or, you know, Acapulco. I got a lot of family out that way. So, you know, we go out there, we visit and we relax at the same time. You know, That's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming and, and doing uh, and doing the show. If you want to see the camera bigger, you know, you can just click on the, on, on the uh, on the picture and it'll expand it. And. Uh-huh. and so this is Fireside, man. Uh, you know, you might consider uh, joining us here if, if you ever, you know, if you want to bring your podcast over here, if you want yeah. to do, especially if you want to do video, it, it's, it's, it, you'll see it's, it's saved. Uh, you can, you can play it back. Uh, so even if there's an, a, a lot of people in the audience, it's saved on the platform. And then you can always, you know, you can also download it, edit it and put it back up like wherever oh, you host your, your website. And then you could always just uh, you could just share the link, or you can just share the link, and people can come here. And the nice thing is, it's that it's uh, it's somewhat curated, so yes. they don't let anyone on the platform. And and you know, if somebody gets through and they're a troll, they're not yeah. going to be around for long. They start trolling, they get kicked off, and then once you get kicked off a couple times, they don't let you back on. Oh, okay. And, uh, for creators, they. Um, you know, you just have to apply. Of course, you know, you could just submit your application and they'd probably go like, oh, yeah, yeah, we want them on the platform. It's a oh, great right. platform. Yeah, it's, it's owned by Mark Cuban and Fallon Fatemi. Uh, she's she's the founder. And then Mark Cuban is one of the investors. So I think it's, you know, it's going places. It's 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 uh, it's going to do pretty well. Oh, OK, yeah, man. Fine. Look, I mean, I, I was checking it out. It looks it looks uh, looks pretty nice, man. Looks, yeah, nice yeah. I like it. Well, uh, you, you ready to get started? I mean, it's been recorded yeah, the whole time, so we can always use uh, anything. And then uh, when, when, if people show up, oh, you might hear, you know, applause or laughs or things like that. And if they bother you, just tell me and I'll, I'll turn them off. But it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I like about this is, is that it, it, it gives you um, a little bit of feedback, especially in front of people. And they keep great yeah. analytics. So um, and I think even if, if you want to react to something, I, if, if you hit the react button here, let me see. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it right there. <laughs> yeah, okay. I send us I send us applause. So you can do it yourself. You can, oh, you nice. can hit the, the laugh button, whatever, yeah. you know. But uh, Or we just treat it like a regular podcast, man. Yeah, no, it, it looks interesting, man. I think I might check it out, man. If, if anything, but- uh, uh, you know, uh, Bob Saget was on here before, obviously before he passed, and uh, yeah. Jay Leto's done his shows here. And the new show that's 
kind of being worked on is uh, the, the creator of Entourage. He, oh, um, he's, he's, he, he and uh, uh, Kevin Conley, is that his name? I think Kevin Conley and, and Charlie Sheen, they're doing this new show and um, they're, they're going to do a lot of behind the scenes stuff here. Uh, so there's some excitement. So, all right. Well, folks, Good. welcome to Paul Vato Presents. Today, my guest is Anthony Big Citric Campos. We're going to delve a little bit into his life growing up in East L.A. and, and taking that long journey to Hollywood, which I, I kind of laugh, but it's, it's, it's not something to laugh about because Hollywood is, is, is so close, you know, or I should say East L.A. is so close to Hollywood. And yeah, Earth, exactly. But yet you don't see Latinos on TV representing. So, man, you know, we're all very proud of you. And, you know, and, and so thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing some of your story, because maybe it'll inspire some young kid that's out there who, who doesn't who doesn't see us on TV and then goes, wow, I want to be like that guy. So thank you. Thank yeah. you, Anthony. for being Oh, here. thank you, man. Thank you for having me, man. You already know, bro. Anytime. You got it, my friend. You got yeah. it. And I was trying to figure out how we actually met, but I guess we'll, we'll get into that. And I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I just feel like you've been in, in, in my life a long time, but I know it's only been, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> the past 10 years since I've been in Vegas. So yeah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't, I shouldn't bring that up without remembering. Cause, cause who knows we might end up with a crazy story. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we ended up over there in, uh, in, in, in Vegas. Hey, we went to your cigar shop, man. You know, we want to go pay you a visit, man. And uh, I remember, yeah, we, I, re I remember the crazy part is that we took a Greyhound out there. Yes, I, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but, like I had never driven a, on a Greyhound towards Vegas, and I said, you know what? That might be a, a fun experience. And one of my homies are like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to regret it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we got there, we're like, man, we should have just took a flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and, and you know what? I, that's what I used to do. I used to take the Virgin America flight. I used to love it. Now it's, you know, Alaska <laughs> Airlines. And it was, it was I had the uh, the jingle memorized because, you know, Virgin did this whole little jingle and, and it was exciting. And I had, people would look at me like I'm an idiot. But, you know, I'm an actor. I pick things up. And I'll be sitting there singing the jingle. And, uh, <laughs> And it was great. You know, you, 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 you'd uh, take off, you'd get offered you know, drinks. You'd barely have your drink. They're like, all right, we're cleaning up a 45 minute flight. But yeah. I also have a bus story when I caught one of my employees, uh, he was stealing and I was in, at my place in LA with my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, I go, I've had it. I, I got to get there. And you know, flights were going to be like 500 bucks. And there was a, a Greyhound uh, yeah. bus for like 30 bucks or 40 bucks, whatever it was. And I'm like, I'm going to go. She goes, are you sure? She goes, just wait till tomorrow. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I you know, I call security. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to fire an employee. I got to, I'm going to be there in about five, six hours. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever you need. And I took a Greyhound bus and it is the story <laughs> of a lifetime, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, it's wild, man. Like, yeah, you, you ever see that movie? So plain. <laughs> yes. yes. It, it was, it was like that, but on a bus, huh? <laughs> Exactly. Oh, exactly. It was just I didn't see like crazy stories on there, man. Just crazy wild stuff going on there, man. And this is once that you took it. It's once for me, and I have an insane yeah, story. That was the last time I was on a Greyhound. That was that time we went to go visit you over there to, to Vegas, man. I don't That's know what I don't know what just like just shot in my mind, you know, like hey, just you guys should do an adventure, go on a Greyhound, see what it is, you know, see what it's you know, because I've been on Greyhounds, but way back in the days. But man, it was nothing like back in the days, bro. Hell no! <laughs> so, I mean, man, it was chaos. You see how it is to fly on, on like Southwest or these cheaper airlines, and and if people don't respect that, do you think they're going to respect a fucking Greyhound? 
Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know what, Patrick? You and I should do an adventure. Maybe go across the country. <laughs> because the, the, I'll tell you my story. You know, when we get to it, because I want to hear what happened to you. But mine involves seeing a, a not a guy with a with a swastika being super nice to like this this clerk at the uh-huh. Greyhound. Museum. He was the nicest guy. I'm like, I hope he's an actor, and you know. But you would think that you cover it up or go like, oh, I'm an actor. You know, no, I you know he had a swastika, uh, and and he could have been nicer. You know, I stayed away from him. And and sleeping <laughs> on my shoulder, this little Honduran thought I was like his brother. You know, and I attract all these people. So can you imagine if you and I on on a you would, you would probably get recognized. I mean, we. I think this could be a travel show. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that would be comedy, man. Oh, it, my it, God. It, it's it's brutal, man, because on the story, I, that, what happened to me, there was man, some dude was smoking weed on the bus. The, the bus driver, she was hella cool. She was, she was this cool, cool black lady, man. But if you got her pissed off, she would, man, she, she, she went off on this dude for smoking. She, she left them there. She goes, you know what? If you don't put that shit out, man, I'm gonna leave you. That dude didn't believe he's already smoking it. She left him there, dog. We took off in the She left him there. <laughs> I, you know, uh, so the Greyhound bus station. That's right. You took it because it, it literally left left you uh, uh, fifty yards from my from my cigar shop from Benny's. Yeah, we're literally so right there down the street. It, yeah, it was right there because it was at the plaza. So we, I mean, the stories I've heard have been insane. I mean, uh, we had one of our pit bosses who, who hated to fly, so he actually took a Greyhound from here to to Texas or somewhere. Uh, and they left him on accident. And then, the, you know, all his bags got stolen. Oh, I mean, dude. he just – and I don't trust anyone. I keep my valuables on me. Yeah, yeah, a guy leave his, you know, his bag was underneath when, and they stopped in like Barstow or somewhere. By the time we got, uh, by the time we got to LA, no, by the time we got to Vegas, his shit was gone. So obviously yeah, somebody yeah. got got off the bus and took it. And I was like, oh brother, I wish I could help you, man. Like, I mean, what? And then I'm thinking like, maybe he's a scammer. I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's hard to tell these days, man. It's hard to tell, man. Is uh, yeah, no, it's just crazy, yeah. And that incident I was talking about happened right there too in Barstow at the Barstow station. <laughs> she left him in Barstow. She left him in Barstow. He had to get. He had to. He had to get the next bus. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is, yeah, it is insane, insane. Uh, I was dating this girl who, not to brag, she, she it's the only Playboy model I've ever dated. But you know, obviously, she was a Playboy model. You know, 10, 12, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, just like when we used to go to uh, that strip joint here in Vegas, um, where um, not not us, um, me, uh, <laughs> not us. When we when I and my friends used to go, I remember. And, uh, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Rudy Nino was like, "Oh yeah, we have a Playboy model here," you know. And then when I see her, I'm like, "She yeah, Miss Miss 1968." Like Jesus, she was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you can say you dated a Playboy model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she she'd been in Playboy, but man, she was she was a head case. This was like like uh, it was after right after my divorce, uh, like a couple years ago. Yeah. I'll tell you that story too, man. She, yeah, she was woo. she was wild. Crazy, and I, you know what? Maybe I'm the crazy one. I shouldn't. I shouldn't <laughs> put it all on her. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. But it is so great to reconnect. So that's right. 
So you came out to Vegas. You, you took because you, I remember that you were going to fly out, then you were going to drive, and then it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Yeah, we're just taking the bus." I'm like, "What?" And I instantly think, "Like, what a great adventure!" Because I, I'm also a big, you know, like romantic in that I think like travel by train is amazing. Yeah. Like, I want to go to Europe and take you know, I want I want to do the Orient Express. I want to do um, you know uh, the, the one that goes through you know from through through Russia. Yeah. You know, I want, do all that i find there's such romance in it but it's not like old-time bus travel you know it's oh. it's the dregs of society no offense if, if uh <laughs> your oh i tried taking it a second time i i, I bought a, a ticket because somebody wanted me to be in their project in la uh -huh. and i uh so i was like oh it's so last minute and you know there wasn't a lot of pay so i'm like you know what screw it i'll just take the bus so i i got a i think they still owe me a refund uh, I, I already gave away the story, you know, but then I get there <laughs> and, the, and it's delayed by 10 hours. Ooh. I just tell the, I'm like, <laughs> by the time I get there, it's, you know, the shoot's over. Like, what are you guys, yeah, what are you talking about? My Uber driver driving. So I wasted like four, eight, like 40 bucks in Uber, another 50 for the, for the bus ticket. And so I still got to get that refund. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, no, we, our, our, uh, I remember, uh, our bus trip when we went on, on Greyhound was supposed to be, I think, like, I think it was like five hours, turning to like eight hours or something. <laughs> they stressed the game, man, because they're stopping on every ranch, pretty much. <laughs> Picking up chickens. <laughs> five hours. That'd be great, because, I mean, if you take a flight, maybe it's four and a half. If you drive, it's four yeah. and a half. It's always like around five hours. But now when you start adding like that, for even if, you know, there's been flights that have been delayed. I'm like, I could have driven here quicker. But yeah. you know, if it's under five, that's great. Because everyone says like, oh, I can be in Vegas in three and a half hours. I don't think that's true. Because you're going to yeah, I don't think we were. Uh, Bakersfield, you know, you're going to make all the stops. So uh, so, so it's not, it's not as quick as people say. You now could probably, You could probably make it in three and a half, but you'll probably end up with a ticket. Sure. Exactly. And you know they're not going to make it quick, so there's another yeah. hour. But if you don't get caught, sure, yeah, you're one of your yeah, yeah. You could probably make it a three and a half, man, but yeah, but for sure you're doing at least four, man. And that's how we thought about it too, because I really don't like to drive a lot, you know what I'm saying? And at that time, I was with my ex girl, you know, so it's like, and she she goes, well, I could drive, but I go, nah, but you know, then we're gonna deal with, we're gonna deal with the traffic on the way back, and that's where it, it always gets like it. Like, I always think about it on the way back, that big old long line in the traffic sometimes, man, because, you know, especially depending if you come back like on a, if you come back, coming back on a Sunday, everybody's coming back home on a Sunday. Everybody. You know, so you're going to catch mad traffic. So we thought about that, and then um, we just said, no, you know what, let's fuck it, man. We're just, like the, the commercial says, leave the driving to us. It's so we jump on the ground. <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah. Like, I'd rather take a Spirit airline than, than the Greyhound, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and that, my friend, says a lot. If you're willing to, <laughs> oh my, I'd rather pay for Spirit than yeah. a free Greyhound. Ticket. You know, I'd rather pay for the extra, you know, to clean, uh, take the bags on on, on, a, on a Spirit because <laughs> you know Spirit airlines charge. You know, they don't charge you much, but where they get you is when they charge start charging you for all the baggage you take. <laughs> I, I, exactly, it's it's the, the nickel and diming that that, yeah. that ridiculous and. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh, or your bag's, you know, five pounds overweight or whatever. <laughs> or you, know what? you should have bought it. You should have bought it online because here at the counter, 
It costs yeah. 30 bucks to, you know, just to enter it, you know. <laughs> yeah, they want to tax you for everything, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, folks, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, p- please uh, give uh, Anthony, uh, if you're here, please give him a round of applause. And thank you guys so much for, for joining us today on Paul Vato Presents. If you just joined us, my guest is Anthony Big Citric Campos, uh, an actor, musician, uh, from from Hollywood and uh, and maybe a stand up comedian because I've seen some of you I've seen a little bit of your work Anthony <laughs> yeah you know just uh, in the last couple of years you know I just uh, I got I got into uh, doing stand up because of my boy Phil Medina which is also a comic you know and he's been doing it for like maybe I think fourteen years and uh, he produces shows all over the place too and he and uh, he just you know he just we met, you know, through my boy Monsky. You know, they were doing a podcast together, and then um, they were they were producing comedy shows at the Levity Live in Oxnard, and uh, they would invite me down to the shows. Hey, come through, come through. So I started going down, and hanging out. That's why I met Phil. And then uh, one day they they hit the road. Uh, Monsky would host the shows, you know, and then Phil Phil was was the the, the headliner, and he goes, uh, "Hey, man, we're going on the road, man. We're gonna do like Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas." And then turn around back and come, you know, come back and hit a couple other spots. You down the road with us, and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's go, man. I, you know, it was like I think we we're gone for a few. You know, it was a few days, like a week almost. But I was like, man, I ain't got nothing to do this week, so let's do it, man. So I went out on the road with these guys, just you know, just to hang out and show support and just to see what you know, because I've been on the road before when I, you know, I started doing music back in the days. So I would be on tour and stuff like that, you know. So. I've lived that road life and it's always been fun. I mean, it gets to a point where, yeah, it can get like a little, a little overwhelming. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, you get tired of the traveling after a while and you got, you got to take a little break. So, but I hadn't been out on the road like that in a minute. So I told him, let's go. So I went and uh, these guys, yeah, they were doing shows like venues all, all across down, you know, down all the way down to the Texas from Arizona all the way down. And uh, Phil just started throwing me on there, man, like a couple of minutes, you know, like, like bringing me up on stage with him, you know, or right before he closes the show, and then I'm like, be like, well, what do I tell him? He goes, dude, just just talk to them, man. Just just talk to the people, man. Tell them a story, man. Whatever, man. And he goes, you're funny, man. You're gonna make them laugh. And yeah, and I would go out there and um, say a couple of little things here and there, and just talk some shit, and people would be, you know, cracking up. So that went on, you know. And then once right before the pandemic hit, I did a show, my official show. That was like okay, I can say okay. I did an, uh, an official set, even though I was like all over the place. But I did it. It was at the at the, I think it was the Ventura uh, Harbor Comedy Club in uh, out there in city of Ventura in eight hundred five, and um, it, it was a uh, it was a not your average comedy show produced by Phil Phil and Monsky, and uh, yeah, so they threw me under man. And I did like I think a, like five minutes or ten minutes, something like, like close to ten minutes. Yeah. But yeah, I was like all over the place, but I was getting a lot of good laughs and. It was cool, and then Phil goes, bro. He goes, you got it, man. You you got what it takes, dude. You just gotta fucking just start piecing shit up, man. And I was like, nah, I don't know, man. I don't know, man, because it's not, man. It seems easy, but it's not, bro. I go, I, 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 you know, I get super nervous every time I go on. And he goes, dude, that's natural. That's normal. We all get nervous. Come on, man. He goes, you got it. So he kept pushing me in that. And I said, all right. So I, I started like um, piecing up some stuff together, and then boom, man, the pandemic hit. So I was, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, fuck. Just when I was getting ready, they're like, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna do this, man. I can do this, and then boom, that hit. So during the pandemic, you know, like I started like just working on stuff with Phil and going over stuff, and he started helping me like just to like tag stuff and 
you know, like, and I would give him ideas. What do you think? Should I try it like this? And he would tell me, try it like this. Maybe throw, you know, reward it at this end, stuff like that. So throughout the last couple of years, that's all, you know, I would just do that from time to time, you know, just when I would have some free time too, you know, and just, you know, just, you know, just try to work on shit, you know, see what, just I had a, like, I have like a big old list of just concept jokes, you know? And, uh, I, I promised myself after the pandemic, I go with, you know, once we get out of this, man, I go, everything all good and everything starts opening up again. I'm just going to go harder with them, man. And I'm just going to go all out. Every chance I get, get a chance to jump on the stage, I'm going to do it. And, um, that's what happened, man. Once, once, once everything started opening up again, and everything was all good, and then Phil started producing shows again, and he just hit me up. Are you ready? And I go, well, not really, but you know, fuck it, let's give it a shot, man. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's now or never, bro. I go because that's one thing I learned about stand doing stand up is like you could write shit down, but you don't know if it's gonna really work. It could be funny to you at that moment, so you don't know if it's gonna really work. So you gotta constantly get on the mic. With, you know, even if it's 10 people, five people, whatever, just kind of like practice your material. That's the only way. That's the only, So we started doing a lot of shows like that, a lot of bar shows, you know, where there was like 20 people, somewhere 100 people, you know, but I was trying different shit. And then I started to see, because Phil would tell me like, dude, you're going to figure it out, bro, because you're going you're gonna to find your style, you're going to find your rhythm, but you got to keep trying and trying and you're going to figure it out, you know, uh, you know, your rhythm and your flow and all that shit. And uh, and then just shit will start coming to you when you're up there, man. And it, that's exactly what happened, man. Just by being up there, one little joke, I started turning into other shit, trying different shit while I was up there, and I saw that it worked. Then I would try it on a different show, and then it would work even more because I would change it up a certain way. So then I started saying, okay, I see, I see where you're going with, you know, like, like where you know, like what Phil was telling me. I understood it because at first I was like really confused. But then it started making sense, you know, it's like the more I tried it, the more I went up on stage, you know, and just got in front of the crowd, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if, if it's like 10 people or a thousand people, you know, like I, I get nervous no matter what, you know, but Phil kept telling me, he goes, bro, that's, that's, uh, that's natural. He goes, uh, he goes, the day you stop getting nervous is the day you're going to fuck up. <laughs> sure, he goes, sure. it's good to be nervous, you know what I'm saying? Because that means yeah. you really care yeah. about what you're doing, you know? I would I would imagine it's because uh, you know when you're not nervous then you're just gonna phone it in like oh I got this but then you're not yeah. you know you're paying attention to the audience you're not paying attention to the people and I what, what I love what you said is that it doesn't matter if it's ten or ten thousand you're still nervous but I think yeah. in the long run that is such a great place to be because even if you're nervous with ten and you're and it sounds like you're just as nervous with ten thousand that's great because 10,000 is a lot of people. I mean, it could be a stadium like Fluffy just yeah. did. So what? You're still nervous, but you're not 10,000 times more nervous. You're just yeah, exactly. So uh, that makes sense. I would love to meet Phil. And maybe I'll have him on because I'm yeah, also- that would be dope, man. Yeah, yeah, because I, I would love to work with you guys, and I'm not trying to get myself on the bill there because I'm, I'm where you're at in, in that uh, I've not really done stand-up. My, my background – was improv comedy and sketch. So it's always me and, and an ensemble, you know, yeah. uh, which, which is its own art form. But I respect and I love stand-up. I just had a gentleman, Butch Bradley, who's a headliner here in, in Las Vegas. So maybe if you guys want to do something out here, we could we could have you guys come out. Because I know Noel, right. Noel, Noel G also wants to to do something. And I've been wanting to do yeah. something with him. And I, it's been my fault. I haven't, I haven't, I've dropped the ball. I haven't really set anything up yet. But, you know, I know he's got a little crew as well, the the Fast and the Funny, or the, I think that's what they're called, or the Funny. Yeah. and, and That, the was, that was part of uh, Phil Medina, too. 
okay, okay. Yeah, Phil Medina was producing that the, the, oh, those, okay. those, those events, but they uh, they stopped for a while because you no, know, G also got he got he got um um you know like busy with you know filming other projects. He he, he leaves a lot you know out of town, so it was kind of harder like like keep uh keep doing that tour. But um but Phil was talking about like they want to bring that 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 tour back at least for for a couple more dates. You know, and um, a, a few months ago, me and Noel did a show too. It was he was uh, he was actually uh, hosting it, and I and you know, and I was like one of the openers, and um, it was for uh, it was for um, like a recovery thing, you know, like recovering addicts, and and so the guy Charles Sanchez, the guy that was producing it, he's a he's a he's a comic as well, and he was telling me that the last minute when we were getting ready to go out there, you know, we did a little prayer, you know, all the comics, sure, and right before we went out, and then he goes um. He tells me, hey, bro, just if you're going to, you know, these people are all recovering addicts. He goes, if, you know, if you got any jokes about the, like drugs, and all, try to keep it light to none if, if possible. And I was like, oh, yeah, not a problem. You know, so so he goes, but he goes, I'll tell you one thing. He goes, if you can make these motherfuckers laugh, he goes, you're funny, bro. And, I, and so, you know, so that made me even more nervous. It's like no pressure, you know, I'm like, damn, dude. you know, so everybody was sober in there, but I went out there. It was a packed crowd. It was like 600 people. It was in an auditorium where it was like people were standing. It was sitting everywhere. And then people that didn't have no seats, they were just standing like around the, the thing. So, so when I went out there, I was like, oh, shit. You know, so I was like, man, the, you know, now it's really on. <laughs> you know, so, but I went out there and I remember that, you know, I just kind of broke the ice. I was like nervous, you know, as fuck. And then I broke the ice by just saying, you know, like, you know, I was told not to talk about drugs, but <laughs> now I got to. I got to change my whole set around. I was, I was out here going to talk about hookers and cocaine and shit, you know? Jeez. And then one, one guy in the front row was, hey, fuck you, talk about it. And he's all pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, but yeah, that kind of broke the ice. And then, you know, I went into my set and, and I got to say that show was, uh, was, uh, the first show that I did like a, like a full blown set. Like I had a set down already, you know, like, like, cause I had already did all these, all these little, uh, bar shows, and I was able to piece up like a like a ten, like a five minute ten minute set, you know. So so when I got there, I was nervous, but I was but it wasn't one of those like crazy nervous like other times where I'm like, damn, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna do? I know what I want to talk about, but I really don't have a set put together, you know. So I, I just gotta wing shit and see see what works, you know. But those are like the small show, smaller shows. But this one, by by the time I did this show, I had a, like a, like a nice little set piece together, like five ten minutes. And I went up there, and and, and uh, to my surprise, it, it it went good, man. Like people were, you know, people were were rolling and got a good, you know, got a good uh, response, you know. So the the promoter was happy, you know, and it was it was, it was, it was overall it was good, man. It was dope, man. So so you know, like I said, I, I get super nervous, but I look forward to getting on stage every time. And I respect, like you said, the 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 craft. I respect it to the to the fullest, you know, like a hundred percent, two hundred percent, you know. That's that's amazing. Well, it sounds like you're finding, you know, you're, you're finding your rhythm. You're finding all that because it's so important. But I think, again, what, what you said, I, you know what? You've got it all right, because what you said was was amazing that, you know, you respect that audience. And that's what we learn in improv. Also, you know, you play to the height of your intelligence and, and you don't think that the audience is dumb or you blame the audience for anything. You just do the best that you can and, and play smart. And, and and give them a great show. Ultimately, it's, it's about making them laugh. So yes. it sounds like you're on the right path, and I would uh, love to join you on, on that. So if you're in Vegas, let me know. I'd, I'll come and support. Uh, yeah. Or if you guys are performing next time in L.A., I'll come out and I'll support. Um, there's also 
this guy, Butch Bradley, who's a headliner here at the L.A. Comedy Club. It's at the Stratosphere. It's in Vegas, but it's called the L.A. Comedy Club. And my friend Joaquin, I heard of uh, the owner. And uh, I'm going to run it by him because my friend Joe Stapleton, who's also been on, on this show, uh, he's coming out. He's going to meet with him on the 20th. He does poker commentary for the World Series of Poker. Mm-hmm. And he's done it for like 12 years now. And um, so I'm going to I'll talk. I'll be talking to Joaquin soon. And, and I'll mention you and Noel and, and Phil. Maybe he already knows him. I don't know. But it'd be great if, if we could have you guys do a show out here. I'd, I'd love to help promote it and and, and, and maybe do five minutes. I, I opened for Steve Byrne New Year's like three years ago. It was exhilarating. It was kind of like what you said, where where I was just kind of cobbling stuff together. But it, it worked out. It worked out OK. You know, I got some yeah. laughs. So it's not as easy as they make it look. But they're, you know, they're professional. Yeah, exactly. They're good at it. And the thing is, like Phil always tells me, the thing is that you got to try it. And not just Phil, but like a lot of other comics that I've talked to that, that are been in the game for a long time, they always tell me the same thing. Bro, you got to just keep going up to try it. You just got to keep doing and you'll find your rhythm. Everybody tells me the same thing. You, the more you get up on stage, the more comfortable you're going to get with the mic and, and talking to people and, and, and just, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're always going to get nervous no matter what because you don't know what to expect. But once, you know, once you're up there, yeah, once you get that first laugh that you know first couple laughs then you know like 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 i feel like okay i i, I think i i i i could i could handle him you know <laughs> like i could feel it you know like 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 okay this this, this is gonna work so then the nerves kind of come down and shit a little bit but but either way you know i still like I, like no matter what i still get nervous man but but it's because i read like at the end of the day like i was telling phil one time it's just that i respect the craft so much i don't want to make a mockery out of it either you know what i'm saying and that and, and 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 that's why that's my my perspective as far as like like it took me so long too to you know to like actually do something and get and and, and do and start doing shows because even for for a couple of minutes that I was going out there not, not not having a set it was still like okay I wasn't taking it seriously enough but because I wasn't trying to be a comic you know like I never I never gave it thought bro in a million years if you would have told me 10, 15 years ago I'm gonna be doing stand up I would have said it's not gonna happen because that. That was never in my mind. I've always wanted to be entertainer, but I, you know, I always thought I was doing music and acting because you know that's where I was at. You know, but I never like if you would have told me, yeah, you, or when you know, uh, ten years ago, I'm, you're gonna be doing stand up. I would have just said it's not gonna happen because it's not in my, it's not in my, it's not in my mentality to do stand up. And like I said, and although I grew up watching, you know, like Red Fox, Richard Pryor, you know, like. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, you know, like all these guys, you know, old school guys. And that's why I respect the craft so much because I always, you know, I used to stay up watching Johnny Carson and, you know, so I used to, I used to watch these guys, man, but, and Eddie Murphy and everybody, but uh, Robin Williams, you know, like these were all guys that I looked up to, but never gave it a, a thought of me doing stand up, you know, like I just love watching them perform, you know, that was it. So it's, it's just crazy, man. It's just crazy. You never know where, where life's going to take you, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I, you know what? It's, it, we've ha- had like such parallel lives, uh, except for the hair part, obviously. But uh, <laughs> but we've had such parallel lives. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I, you know what? I think I might. Uh, I, I had let it grow long. I had it shoulder length because of the pandemic, and I had a full beard. Oh, and when sure. I went and they cut it, and they literally, I was. I mean, they had. It was like a one. It was. I mean, oh, I barely had hair, and I kind of liked it. Now it's been about three months, and this is just how long it's gotten. That's how short they cut it. 
and I oh, kind of liked it, you know. So yeah, solo <laughs> man. It's easy. It's easier to fucking uh, keep the style, you know. <laughs> you don't got to do much after you get out of the shower. <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. I love it. And, and and you know what? I mean, it's it's like I just kind of glossed over this. You know, you doing stand up, it's almost natural. I mean, you have one of the greatest minds in your corner, and I'm sure that if you ask him for help, and maybe he's already helped you, my goodness, you are the star of Lopez, which is the show uh, by George Lopez on, on TV Land. And and forgive me, I, I don't know all the details, and it's a great show. I mean, I, I saw it, but I don't know if it's you know if it's if it's streaming right now. Or I'm sure you can find it anywhere in video on demand. And it's such a funny show, such a great show. Uh, but you're friends with George. I mean. Yeah. I know it's tough, though, sometimes to go because I'm friends with like Bobby Lee. I mean, at least I used to be, you know, when I did Matt TV and whatnot and Steve Byrne and a lot of these wonderful, amazing, you know, Butch Bradley now and Jeffrey. Yeah. Keller. And um, so I know that if I can, if, if it's on me, like I need to reach out and go, I'm ready. Can you help me? Or can you at least look at my set and give me some? But then again, it's like I don't want to take advantage of their friendship. So I don't know if it's like that with you and George, but I know that from it's my understanding, you know, and I've met George a couple times throughout my life and uh, he's always been nice. Uh, the first time was in Las Vegas when he and Carlos Mencia were working together. This is how long ago this is yeah. uh, back in, in, in the nineties, back in the 1900s. And um, they were at the garage <laughs> and, and, they, and they did a set and um, it was super nice, super nice. And uh, I almost worked on, on Mencia's show when he was filming it there in, in Hollywood, when I was on Matt TV yeah. and on Cedric, the entertainer presents and um, yeah, so so uh, I'm sure you know you have a champion in your corner. You have George Lopez, one of the greatest comedians in the yeah. world, you know, and also being Latino and whatnot. And you're on his show, so I'm sure maybe there's there's something. And it's and it's always easier for somebody on the outside to go like, "Well, just ask George." But <laughs> no, we you gotta know, do it ourselves, though. I get yeah, it. Yeah, no, you know, you know what's uh, what's crazy because uh, yeah, no, it's, it's like what you said. You know, like sometimes I don't want to. I don't want to ask, you know, like certainly, but with George, man, it's it, it, the the first time I did that with that natural average comedy uh, uh, show with um, out there in Ventura. That was like my first official show. Um, I posted it up on my Instagram, whatever, and he commented on there, and he heard about it, you know, and he said, he goes, "Hey, congratulations, Citro," because he he calls me Citro. He gives everybody a different name and shit. <laughs> so he called me, you know, he just turns your name into something else. So he started he started calling me Citro when we were filming uh, the Lopez show, which, by the way, you can still catch it on Amazon. It's on okay. Amazon Prime, yeah. And um, yeah, he congratulated me on that. He goes, "Hey, congratulations, Citro, you popped your cherry," you know. And uh, and I've never had to ask him for advice, but he's he's come out on his own. Like he's uh, he's told me like. He goes, hey, so so now 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 that you're doing stand up, one of the advice I could give you, man, he goes, try to do as try to host as many shows as you can, no matter how big this event is, just get up and grab that mic. And he, he's one of the first ones that told me that. He goes all the time, he goes grab the mic as much as you can, and just get out there, man, and practice your shit. Just practice whatever, man, whatever you got in mind, just work it out, man. And that's that's the same thing that that Phil tells me, you know, like. Work it out in your mind, and then just go out and do it, man. And if it works, it works. And then you kind of just make those adjustments, you know. But that's that's one of the the the, the advice that that always sticks with me, you know. Like just get on there as much as you can, and um and host, you know. And so I've been doing a lot of a lot of shows, but right now, like now I'm starting to kind of like do like features, 
But um, but I was doing it like like in the last few months. I did a hosting for like a lot of events, so that helped, man, and it did help me to so you know like build up for these bigger shows, you know, that we've been doing, you know. So also, but yeah, you know, but I, but Georgia, anytime he t- he tells me because any any anytime you need advice, you know, hit me up, and he goes, I'm here, man, and. It, and yeah, the times that I have hit him up, he always hits me back right away and he tells me this and to break it down. And you know, he's giving me advice like that from stand up to financial advice to you know, like just a bunch of you know, just precious, precious uh, gems, man. Amazing, that's wonderful. Uh, yes, yeah, wonderful. It's great that you have such an amazing resource. But it, it also, you know, that speaks to to who the person that type of person you are. You know, you're such a wonderful guy. And, and of course, you know, people want to help you because you're an expert in, in some other things. I could come to you if I decided to get into the music game. I'm sure you you yeah. are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to music. So, you know, and obviously now TV and, and getting into acting and all these things. So it, it's it's nice. You know, I've, I what I really want to make 2022 about was collaboration. And I feel like this is part of it, doing this podcast. So I really thank you for being uh, along on my journey. Of, of me reaching out and, and you saying yes, that you, you, you know, you'd be here. You, you even did what all the white people do, which is you actually use Calendly. You're like, <laughs> like I'm going to schedule this. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, I was tripping out. I was like, oh, this, this is uh, pretty easy. You know, I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. <laughs> and, and it's a great platform, I I think, to, uh, to, to use. So thank you. Yeah. And, uh, Hopefully, maybe maybe we can do something here. Maybe we we can yeah, do our stand up here because uh, Butch Bradley uh, offered to. I think we're going to create a show for here for Fireside where he's going to help me with my with my stand up and right. you know cultivate a whole show. So if you want to be a part of that, I'll, I'll let you know. We were thinking maybe I think Wednesdays. Maybe I'm making it up. I don't know, but but uh, I got to re- uh, reach out to him and see if we can set something up here where right. we're work on our stories and then he'll go like, okay, th- this is a funny part. This is a funny part. You know, so so if you want to yeah. be involved, I'll let you know. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'd be I'm, I'd be done with it, man. I'd be honored, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah. Let's go back in, into your history a, a little bit, if you if you don't mind. And how are you doing on time? Are, are you okay with with time? Or yeah, I'm cool right now, bro. Okay, let, yeah. let, let, let me know because you know sometimes I I can pull a Joe Rogan and actually you know. <laughs> so, uh, so wonderful. Okay, so you're from East LA, like we mentioned at the top of the show, yeah. And you're an inspiration, I would imagine, to many actors, but also that happen to be Latino. And so it's not it's, it's not an easy road. Even when you're so close, it was like me and improv being, you know, a, an hour outside of Chicago, but not knowing about improv, not not having access to it until I did the research. And now, of course, it's a lot easier. But, uh, you know, and it's a shame. So so same where you, where did you grow up? East L.A., Boyle Heights, you know, so, you know, and, and I say Boyle Heights because, I was born in Boyle Heights, at, uh, you know, back in the days it was called General Hospital, you know, and Boyle Heights, it's, it's weird because a lot of people don't like to, uh, like, people don't like, uh, like, people that are hardcore Boyle uh, Heights citizens don't like uh, to be called East L.A., even though it's part of East L.A., you know, it's just that there's Boyle Heights and then there's the city of East L.A., but they're together, connected, there's just one street that divides it, you know, and I don't even remember because I always say East, East Los Boyle Heights because... I grew up on both sides, you know. I was born in Boyle Heights, but I grew up on both sides. So I always claim East LA Boyle Heights, you know. So shout out to all, you know, all my all my peoples out there, man. And uh, you know, I'm just trying to make everybody proud too, man. You know, and and I get a lot of love from a lot of people that are from Boyle Heights, and 
and they, they have told me, you know, like I'm an inspiration for them and they're trying to get into the entertainment, whether it's acting or um, stand up or, or they're trying to do a music. You know, I get a lot of people, a lot of cats that hit me up on the music side, you know, because they remember us when we had back in the days, it was called Browntown. And then it went to Browntown Looters and then Pueblo Cafe, which is same, the same shit, just in Spanish, you know. <laughs> we started it, doing Spanish, Spanish hip hop, you know. <laughs> it's amazing to, to hear you. Uh... I, I guess you're a rapero. Is that what we're called in Spanish? A rapero, yeah. yeah <laughs> man, was, was, she goes, ¿Eres ratero? And I go, no, rapero. No, ratero. <laughs> rapero. rapero. <laughs> I, was, I was, yeah, I was a burglar. I was like, nah, man, I'm a, a rapper, a rapero. Rapero. Yeah, she thought I was a rapero, eh? She was ready to fuck Oh my God, that's so funny! No, and, and uh, but folks, uh, check out uh, uh, Pueblo Cafe on YouTube, and I'm sure uh, wherever music is streaming. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, there are some some hit songs there. I, I wish uh, I would have known you there because I'd love to be in, in one of your upcoming. If you do another video, I'd love to be. I'd love to be at least yeah. get the chance to audition for it. If you can, <laughs> I, I call myself a Chicano, a Chicano from Chicago. Uh, that's so right, Chicano. Uh, <laughs> the real gangster city. <laughs> real gangster city. Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> Midwest side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like to say that I'm from the West Side suburb <laughs> of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's major history there, bro. <laughs> heck yeah, heck yeah. And and I did time. I did 12 years in parochial school. You know, so oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a badass. I, I went to a yeah, Catholic school for twelve years. It wasn't easy, my friend. But I, so I did time. I did time. So that's what it is, man. Uh, I mean, so, Catholic schools are always the worst, Dougie. It, it wasn't easy being Paul Vato when I was known. <laughs> I was gonna say it wasn't easy being Paul Vato when I was Paul Rodriguez. You know that that's my name, though, right? Paul Rodriguez. Did I ever tell oh. you this? Oh shit! So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get compared to the other comedian. <laughs> get mixed up. Yeah, and I'm sure if George meets me again, he'll go like, "Hey, Vito." I'm sure he'll change it from Vato to Vito or yeah. something. Uh, so before I forget, I do want to I, I do and I know the story, but I would like our, our the people that are here and listen to this later to hear the origin story of your name. But uh, first, let's touch base uh, a little bit on on Br- Browntown and Browntown Looters. Because you had some success in Japan as well, did you not? I mean, did you yes. tour Japan, or what was that part of your history like? Yeah, this was like uh, I want to say like in ninety, like ninety seven, ninety eight era. era uh, yeah, it was like ninety seven, ninety eight. We went out to Japan, and because uh, we had one song that blew up out there, it was called Noisy Minorities, and uh, at that time we were, we were going as Brown Town, and. Um, or Brown, I think it was Brownstown Looters. You know, we were at Brownstown Looters, but the song blew up on a compilation that was called Definition of Brown. It got out there, and that song blew up, and we didn't know. You know, we didn't, we we really didn't know what was going on when we got the call about performing in Japan. If we if we if, if uh, we were down to go out to do a, do a couple of shows, and um, they they got a hold of us and some other homies that that we were working with at the time from a clothing company. At that time, there was a clothing company called Top Nation. And sure. uh, and street smart, I think it was a street smart or street smart clothing. I think it was, uh, and those guys, they sold a lot of clothing in Japan, right? So they had a hook about there. So some one of the promoters from out there tells me tells them, hey, by any chance, do you know how I can get a hold of these guys, Brown Town? 
and uh, showed him a picture. And then my boy Germ go and, and and Julian, shout out to you know Germ and Julian. They go, well, yeah, that's the, the, the matter of fact. That's uh, those are our homies. Those are our friends. Like no way, yeah. So so they made it happen. So they so they they put us on a on a, on a tour out there, man. For you know we're out there for like a week, and uh, we had a couple of shows. But the main main show that we did that was like the biggest show was like the the Lowrider Super Show out there. And then when we when we got there, we thought we were just like one of the openers, and um. The guy goes, uh, our translator and, and our tour guide was uh, was telling us. He goes, "No, nah, man." He goes, "He goes, uh, you guys are you guys are the headliners." And I, the headliners, we're only, you know, we we're only ready to do like twenty minutes of a show at the malls, you know. And then he and he goes, "Yeah." And I go, well, who else performing? He goes, "No, nah, well, that's it, just you guys." Eh? And like, what do you mean? Just uh, we only came for like a twenty minute show. Oh no, you guys got to do at least uh, an hour. I'm like, oh great, <laughs> but good thing my. Uh, my uh, my DJ, at the, you know, at the time he had he had you know always came prepared, you know, with extra music. Good thing I still I knew a lot of the other songs, you know, and and even though a lot of the songs we didn't practice, we practiced for a, a certain set. We still knew a lot of the songs. We had them, you know. It's just it was just a little recap. Sometimes you you know I would just listen to it real quick and then okay cool, and then now now I'm ready. You know we're we're ready to do this shit. But but man, I gotta tell you, man, that was, that that shit was wild, man. When I got off stage. I mean, first of all, it was a huge, huge crowd, man. It was like maybe like twenty thousand people in the crowd, and um, so I, 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 I we, you know, what I'm saying we, we already got paid. There was no way we could say no. We couldn't back down. You know, we had to do the full hour, so it was like, so we did it, man. By the time I got off stage, I shit you not, man. As soon as I walked out the, it was a big stage. And then they had the, the some stairs that go down into the backstage area to the dressing rooms. Soon as I didn't even make, I don't think I, remember, I made it down all the way down the stairs. I remember I just fell, not fell, like you know, like by accident on purpose. I just let myself drop, and I was just laying there for like ten minutes, man. They were, hey, you all right? You they're gonna call paramedics. Hey, I'm all right. Just let me catch my my breath, bro. I need some air. <laughs> I had never did a, a full hour show like that, man. You know, like the most we ever did was like thirty minutes. You know, at the most, you know. <laughs> Man, now I could see like if that happened in comedy, you're like, shit, I'm not prepared. Yeah. But I can, you know, I'll just talk. You can't just maybe. Well, I guess you can freestyle, but I mean, come on, you can't, yeah. you can't like make up songs. And you, no, you can't make shit up as you go. You know, you gotta have no. shit ready. You know, so good thing my DJ had all the instrumentals, and you know, he knew where all of them were at, queued up. You know, so he was. It was easy for him to. Like fuck it, okay, let's uh, let's do it. You know, like we'll stretch it out. Don't want no no big deal. And then um, and then you know, a good thing you know he knows all the songs, all the lyrics. So if I forget something, you know what I'm saying? Like those guys would catch it. Him and my other partner Skinny, he was doing my backups. So and and the choruses. So he he knew all the lyrics to the songs. So yeah, if I would miss a beat on something, he would jump in. He would catch it and 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 uh, it made we made it work. You know, it would, like the audience wasn't even wouldn't, wouldn't even be able to tell. So we were we were in sync like that. So we were we had you know it was like practice you know practice drills you know you do sometimes, and it was a good thing because that shit came in handy for that show especially man because you know some groups just go like okay we're doing fifteen minutes twenty minutes that's all they have that's all they're set and that's all they have practice for you know and you know and and that's how we were but at the same time because of all the other practice drills and we would practice other songs even if we weren't gonna perform them. But we were practicing just, you know, just to, just to have them, you know, like in the head, you know, just a practice drill, just in case you never knew. And it came out, yeah, to one of those, one of those situations. 
amazing. It just it just shows that mentality of being always being prepared. I mean, yeah, man, you just uh, never know. It's a great motto. It's a great thing to live by because you could have just been like, no, we can't. We only have twenty minutes. We only have. Yeah. We, didn't know, we didn't know we were going to have to. Well, you know what? You should have been prepared. So you stepped up. You did it. And I was going to make the joke that it, not that it matters because you could have said anything. They're Japanese. They didn't speak English anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you, but you know what was the craziest shit that tripped me out when we were there is when uh, we went out when, okay, we were sitting, we were backstage hanging out. We're chopping it up. We're talking to the, the promoter and then, you know, amongst the group, we're just going over, okay, the songs that we're going to add in to make up for that full hour. Me and you know, we were going over certain shit. And then, but it just seemed so quiet outside, you know? And I'm like, dude. And then it was snowing to top it off, right? That day, it was, it was snowing hard. It was like a, like a blizzard. And I'm like, dude, I, I go, I don't hear nobody. I, go, I tell the promoter, are you sure people are going to show up? Because it sounds awfully quiet. He goes, no, 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 they're out there. There's cars. They're looking at the cars walking around. There's already people sitting in front of the, in front of the stage. And I'm like, and I'm like, all right, well, let me go, let me go out there and, and, and check it out. Because I, I, I honestly thought, I go, man, there's no fucking way people are going to show up. It's snowing. But I went out there, and uh, there was a nice group of uh, 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 people out there, you know, walking around. You know, because it was a, at a convention center, so it was all spread out. But it was, but you could see the people walking around. And then um, and then there was people sitting in front of the stage. There was no seats. They were sitting on the floor with their legs crossed, but, like, quiet. They were talking, they were talking but, like, quietly amongst themselves. And I'm like, damn, these people are, like, really fucking polite. You know, that, that's the first thing that went through my mind, you know. And um, they were just sitting there, you know. And so, we, you know, I went backstage and I said, cool, whatever, you know. And, and then the guy was telling me, he goes, yeah, because people show up even when it snows, rains, don't matter. Because there's trains that come in from all over Tokyo, from outside of Tokyo. They come and they, and they drop them off here direct. So they're, they're, people don't even really have to drive here. They just take the train. And it drops them off literally in the, in the convention center. It was like an area where the train goes in. And they had a, an, a, it was an inside train station inside the convention center. So people get off and boom, they go straight to the ticket where the ticket the ticket line is at and, and they get in. So I was like, I was impressed by that one too. Just all their technology, I was impressed, man, that they had over there, man. They were, and they were telling, you know, everything's like 10 years ahead over there. And I was like tripping out. But um, yeah, no, so, so when it was showtime, I remember our intro had uh, started off with a chopper helicopter, you know, and it was like news, like news clips from, you know, East LA, Boyle Heights, like, you know, at that time, all the shit that was going on. And so we threw all that shit in. So these motherfuckers, all of a sudden, you know, they hear the chopper, they hear all that and Brownstown looters this and that. And, you know, just my DJ was just mixing in a lot of shit. And you start hearing like the crowd just getting loud and loud and loud. And I was like, what the fuck? So then when we finally stepped up on stage, you had to go up the stage, you go up. And then when you get up on top, then you see everything, you know? So when we got up there, it was like, man, the, the, yeah, the crowd the crowd went nuts. Like, it was just wild. It was just like 20,000 people. And I was like, damn, you know, like, like the whole thing, was, you know, kicked what through my head. It was like, where did all these motherfuckers come from? Because when I looked out earlier, there was like, there was people there, but it wasn't like packed like that. And then, and then the you know the, the 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 homies were just tripping out too. And we went out there in ski masks when we first went up there, and so the people weren't even you know like were like like going like really crazy for it. And we, when we took out the ski masks, threw them out. They were fighting for that shit. You know, it was just it was just wild. I go, man, I thought they were polite, man, but I guess not. <laughs> and then everybody looked like cholos and and crips and bloods. 
that's what made it even more funnier because I looked at people, man, and I was like, it was kind of like looking at each other, man. But you know, they would take out the, they had the dark glasses, they would take them off, and then you see, you know, that they're, they're, you know, they were Japanese, but it was funny because they were all bald heads, uh, khakis, uh, you know, just you know, just gangster attire, man. And then the, then you saw some fools that were red, and bl- red, some fools all blue, and then they were talking to each other, and you know, they were hanging out together. I remember in the beginning, I told the promoter, "Hey, is everything gonna be all right, man?" He goes, "Oh yeah, no, they're they're, they're not they're not gangsters here, man. It's just uh, they're into the fashion. They love the fashion, man. They love that LA fashion, you know, Chicano hip hop, you know, cult, you know, the whole culture." From lowriders to gangsters, they love that shit, man. I'm like, damn, that's wild, bro. But um, yeah, they were really peaceful, but they just looked violent the way they were dressed, obviously. I think it, hold on, my, my bad. I think it muted. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? It was me. Oh, okay. Sorry. sorry. No, uh, I'm a horrible host. I, well, sorry about that. Okay. I'll, 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 I might cut that out then. Sorry about that. I'm <laughs> so, so interested in listening to your story. Um, so, uh, yeah, I can only imagine that. I mean, oh, because. I've, I've, uh, I'm a fan of documentaries, and I've watched documentaries, and uh, especially on the Chicano culture, if you will, in Japan. I mean, we're like a big deal there. They they love. I mean, they're into also like like, like lucha libre, the yeah. cholo culture, and 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 you know all that. Uh, the low riders, and it's just so funny to see these guys. And you see them, you're like, look, look at all. These, what are all these Mexicans <laughs> doing? In Japan, and then you're right. They take their glass off. Where you're like, "Oh no, they're clearly Japanese." Yeah. But they love the culture, and it must have been frightening to see Bloods and Crips like next to each yeah. other, just chatting because they like blue and one likes red. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's, that, that was the crazy part. Of it. And I kept and I kept asking the promoter, "Man, hey, is, you know, we are we good on stage? Like, are we good with security here? Because you know, this shit looks looks kind of sketchy, bro." And goes, oh, no, 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 it's just a fashion thing here, man. They they're, they're not gangsters, man. It's just a fashion thing. And I go, damn, that's wild. <laughs> that's crazy. I I love it. I would love to. I have not been to, to Asia, so that's on my bucket list when I do my travel yeah. show. Is go to go to Asia and meet people that I've only met on social audio. That's my it's idea for a show. Man. Is is I want to do a show where I meet people that I've only met on social audio, and not yeah. just do it in the U.S., but uh, you know, do it uh, throughout the world. So maybe you can join me on a leg of that trip. I really want to yeah. do. I, I want to do something with me, me and you on Greyhound, maybe through the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, that, uh, that shit will be comedy, man. <laughs> ooh, comedy, gold. So uh, your name, Citric, and I, I, I know, I, I, I think I know the, the origins, uh, but maybe if you could share that. Uh, and more specifically, I want to know why you stylize it, capital C, little I, T-R, Little I, capital C. That's my question. But if you want to share how you got the name Citric uh, or Citro, I know you got Citro <laughs> from George Lopez, but Citric, uh, which I, it's such a great nickname. 
Yeah, I mean, one of my one, one of my, the way I got it is because one of my homies, rest in peace, uh, back in the days, we used to go to all these house parties everywhere, right? So I used to do, you know, get on the mic too, you know, and do, you know, we 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 start busting, you know, freestyles, written stuff, and just we were just perform for the, you know, for, at a house party, you know, random shit. Especially when my DJ was 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 DJing, they would hire him a lot to DJ in, in all these house parties, and I would go with them, right, just to hang out. And sometimes he would tell me, get on the mic, just fuck around, man. You know, it's like during certain, you know, in between certain sets. So he would throw on an instrument and I get on and bust it and people were, you know, get pumped up. So my boy that, that gave me the name Citric, uh, his name is Boxer. They used to call him Boxer, rest in peace. And he lived next door where I was living at the time. And he's the one that connected me with my DJ. He's the one that told me, because you got to meet my boy Clear, you know, and, you know, he's a DJ. You guys might be able to do something. So so he's the one that connected us. And, and, he, and he would always hear, hey, we saw your boy, because uh, he used to call, you know, my name, is Anthony, but everybody in my neighborhood or, or from back in the days, like my family and everybody that knows me since I was a kid, call me Tony. Sure, so sure. people would tell him, hey, we seen your boy, uh, your, your boy Tony, your boy T over there performing. So he would tell me, he goes, bro, you're like, you're like citric acid. You're everywhere. And I'm like, what the fuck? What, are they? what do you mean I'm everywhere? Because yeah, I hear that you're everywhere. And then, and then I go, and then I really never really paid much attention to citric acid. I heard of, you know, citric acid, you know, obviously, but I just never really paid attention to it. And, he, and then I go, well, what do you mean by I'm everywhere like citric acid? Start telling me, he goes, if you look at the the um, the back of Pepsi cans or soda cans in general, uh, like maybe shampoo and stuff like that, you'll see citric. And they go, that's you, bro. You're everywhere, Dougie. <laughs> so yeah, in the, so in the beginning, I was like, I was just like, whatever, you know. And then they just kind of stuck, you know. And then started calling myself uh, Citric T, you know, with the T, and then just dropped the T, and they just kept the citric. And then later on, people just started calling me Big C, Big C, you know, Big Citric. Like, you know, and I just, I just still with Big Citric. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, th- that is so funny that they would pick that somebody would pick up on that. That the fact that citric acid is everywhere. They're like, yeah. that's like fucking tea over there. This, this <laughs> that's a, that's another thing that that you and I kind of share, and that is the uh, being everywhere because. Yeah. My friends, they, they didn't come out with a clever name like that, but they were like, you were like three parties this weekend. Like how, you know, I just left a party and you were there. How are you here already? Yeah. So I always got busted. Now, and at one point I said like, oh, I have a twin brother. So some people think that I have a twin brother because I'd be like, yeah, yeah. You, maybe you saw my twin, you know, because I know he was going to another party. But it was almost <laughs> embarrassing to say that it was me. That was me at, at all those parties. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that's such a cool name and then do you, do, is it just random or why why do you stylize it capital c oh. <laughs> i'm mad because uh i know I, for one i thought it just looks better and but the main reason is because a lot of people always confuse it as critic like i've had people go hey it's big critic <laughs> hey critic <laughs> <laughs> shit like that, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna criticize you, motherfucker. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna call you critic because you're always complaining, man. Yeah, so it's easier. It's easier to uh, to read. It's more legible, you know. The eyes, you know, really, you see the you're right. Eyes, you know? You're right. That makes sense. It's funny, <laughs> just just the way it names evolved because I started out with with uh, you know my friends were trying to figure out you know everyone gets a nickname especially like in college and whatnot and it started out with you know I was like probably the only Latino that they knew so they were like what's up Cholo. What's up, S.A.? What's up, F.A.? 
what's up, Pablo? Pablo? Uh, what's up? And then I think it went from, uh, and then it went to Vato because, because oh, you know, Blood In, Blood Out came out, right? Yeah. And then so everyone was like, Orale Vato, what's up, Vato? So it, just, <laughs> it was Vato and not, I didn't get called Vato until I moved to Hollywood and I ran into Latinos and they're like, oh, Paul Vato. And I'm like, yeah, 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 Paul Vato. <laughs> I'd be sitting at my ice, at my uh, cigar shop. I, my first business was an ice cream shop. I'd sit oh, at my wow. cigar shop and the name Vato Cigars is right there. You saw it. And, yeah. and then, you know, Latinos would walk by, they're like, Vato. And I'd be like, oh, somebody that knows me, I'm like, no, because <laughs> you chose a name that all Latinos use. Yeah, so that, exactly. But that that's how that's how my name that that's how it came. That's how it was. That's a, no, that's a good name, man. Like it's a good name, man. Paul Watto. <laughs> I, I I just realized that my screensaver changed, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I hope it's not my photos. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you got a oh, bunch of naked <laughs> pictures popping up. All yeah, of a sudden, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I wouldn't mind the ones on the Playboy model. Or my friend who sent me t- uh, pictures of her boobs, but if it's all of a sudden my little wiener pics, forget that. You want to see that? But it, it's it's actually all the music that I listen to. So I've got anything from The Cure to nice. Fred Fender to New Order to uh, classical. Yeah, I see The Cure. Friday, I'm in love. So, um, how did you get into rap? We're gonna go back just a little bit because I, I know. Uh, did you meet? Was it Kid Frost, or was it just because he was in the game? Or was there some kind of connection to get you into the into the rap game? Well, basically, you know, I was already doing rap before uh, before Frost and Mallow came out, you know, and I, I started doing uh, uh, like in the late eighties, like eighty eight, you know, like eighty nine is where I started kind of like you know trying to rap, you know, like I was I was like listening to songs like like from Tone Loke, Young MC, cats like that, you know, um, that were blowing rap bass. Uh, the, uh, uh, who else was uh, De La Soul? You know, I would write down the lyrics, and I would try to memorize the shit. And then, and then we had I had instrumentals, and I had one of those uh, like the karaoke machines with the double date uh, tape deck. So yeah. I would I would record, you know, to one, you know, just kind of make my demo like that. And you know, it sucked, you know, but it, but you know, but I was trying to give it a shot. And uh, my homie uh, at the time too, uh, um, his name is Mario, and they used to call him to- uh, uh, Token, and he's the one that started teaching me how to like how to really like flow, you know, like how to lay the flow down. And then, uh, but, but I was already starting to do stuff around, around 88, And, you know, the homies from the neighborhood used to trip out, you know, like if I would tell them, you know, they would like, like be like, why are you doing that? That's for black people. That's black music. And like, dude, you fucking listen to it. We all, what's the difference? You know? <laughs> and then the BC boys were out, you know, the BC boys came out and like, well, these guys are white. They're doing it, you know? So, but at the while, I just like I would I wouldn't even pay attention to them fools, whatever. I would just keep doing my own thing, and it wasn't until about when Malo Manes came out with Mentirosa, and you know even though he's black, but he's Cuban black, you know, and he's still Latino. He was doing Spanglish shit, and that just kind of like opened the opened it up for Latino, set it off, you know. And then right after that, Kid Frost came out with La Raza, and. That even opened up even more doors, and that just set off a whole nother generation of of Mexican rappers, you know, that which eventually turned into Chicano rap. But at that time, nobody was calling it Chicano rap, you know. Um, so, so by that time, when Frost came out, we had already cut a demo. We had already did a couple of demos. I, I was already, I was already with my crew at Brown Town. We had finally, you know, we got together. And we finally we cut a demo, 
and um, it was called Dope House in the Ghetto, and we were getting ready to go out and promote it. But even no, but even I'm getting ahead of myself. But before that, well, before we even, uh, cut the demo, I remember we did uh, our first major show that we did was at a car show. We opened up for Kid Frost. That's when Kid Frost was you know blowing up, and so we met him that day, you know, and and and, and we did the song. Uh, uh, we did a, we did a couple songs. And uh, he thought our show was dope, you know, it was cool. And and that was it. We just kept it cool, whatever. Although one of the guys in the group had beef with them, with Frost, from a, from a while back. So, but they, I don't know, it was weird. They cut the beef that day, but then it got worse again. And then, you know, we're backing up the homies. So there was some kind of beef for a while between us and Frost. But it was nothing, like, I wasn't really, like, tripping. It was just more like I'm backing up the homies and shit, you know, part of our crew. You know, that's all it was. But, um... Yeah, eventually all that shit got squashed. But yeah, like a few months later, man, we ended up dropping our, our first single. We got a record deal with an independent record label, and and uh, we got fucked on the deal. But we still, you know, we were able to put out the single. It's like they say, you know, it's like if you don't get fucked in this game at least once, you're in the wrong business, you know? Because well, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's crazy, man. Business, the movie business, uh, the entertainment business in general. That first yeah. time, you're probably going to get fucked, and then you learn how not to get fucked as much. And then hopefully you don't fuck anyone else, but yeah, exactly. it, it's, you know, that's just, that's the name of the game, man. So I'm, I'm glad you, you, you made it through and because it's, it's not easy to do that and then to be Latino and doing it. Uh, so I'm glad you didn't listen to your homies. Like you said, we were all listening to it. We were yeah, all, exactly. all, every single artist you mentioned was an influence on me and I've never been, you know, in, into the, the music business, but it was definitely all very influential and it didn't matter that, that they would happen, happen to be black or whatever. And, and, uh, and then when you, when it comes to being Latino, Af- African Latino, I mean, that's Cuba, that's the Dominican, that's Puerto, Puerto yeah. Rico, all that. So, so it's, it's, a, it's great that you, you didn't listen to the naysayers and, and continued and, and brought some wonderful art. Greetings, my Vatos locals. And now a quick word from one of our sponsors, me. Hi, I'm Paul Vato, and I want to thank you so much for listening to Paul Vato Presents, where we have another very fun and exciting guest. If you're enjoying yourselves, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page. And also, if you could head on over to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you consume your podcast and give us a like, a follow, a share, maybe even leave us a review. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Uh, do you know Lalo Alcaraz, who does La Cucaracha? And like Esteban Zul, because I know Esteban Zul and this guy uh, and these few other guys had a group yeah. back in the day called Aslan Nation. Yeah, we toured with them, guys. Matter of fact, we did a show in Berkeley Square in 1992, right before our single Do Pass in the Ghetto drop. Uh, one of our homies that was rolling with them at the time, MC Machete, um, he was doing all the Spanish stuff because the other guys, they, didn't really, they knew Spanish, but they really didn't know Spanish. My boy Machete, which, uh, his real name is Wasim. He was really great in writing and reading and, and rapping in Spanish. So he was one of the first to like really do like all Spanish stuff. And um and he was rolling with them at that time with Sanation. And they were doing a show up in Berkeley Square in 1992. And that's how I that's um that's I think I, I think that's the first time I met them or I had already met them before. Not 100 percent sure, but after that we started kicking it hard. Like we we would hang out. We did we when they come to LA. You know what I'm saying? We'd hang out with them over here. We'd go up north, they, you know, we'd hang out with them. And they would always watch our back. We'd watch their back down here. Because, you know, that whole Norteño, Sureño shit, you know? But we didn't play that game. They didn't play that game. So so when they would come out to L.A. and do shows, we would always show up because we were there to to support and, you know, and, and make sure they were good, you know, while they were out here. 
and to vice versa. We go up there and they make sure that we were good. Same thing with the, some other guys they were working with, a brown skin artist that were B, called BSA, and they would take care of us out there. And the show was, show was a good time and and vice versa, you know. But uh, yeah, we did a show with them. They put they put us up on stage to do one song, and um, it was they were they were opening up for uh, for Money B and uh, and it was the group was called Raw Fusion which was Money B and, and DJ Fuse from uh, Digital Underground. And that night is a night when we met Tupac. When Tupac had just finished doing the movie Juice, and, you know, obviously his first album was out, did good, you know, Apocalypse Now. And um, we met, you know, we met, we were already like fans of Tupac, you know, so when we saw, and of course Digital Underground, but when we saw uh, 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 Tupac there, and it was just like, damn, he came up on stage, did a song with Money B, and we got to hang out with him backstage, and we chopped it up. Hella cool dude, man. It's just like really humble, man. You know, everybody wanted to take a picture and, you know, get to sign something. And he was doing all that. And he still took the time to sit up with us and chop it up for a minute, you know. And then after we did our performance, his manager and the and I think, I don't know if it was the, the owner of the label or, or he was like, they had a company called TNT Recordings. I remember he came up to us and we had just signed a deal to drop Do Pass in the Ghetto, which was our first single, like two weeks uh, uh, before that. And and the guy sits down in front of us, and I think his name was Greg. Or I can't remember his name, man, but I remember he was, he was dressed up in a suit, had a suitcase, sat in front of us, put out a suitcase, opened up the suitcase, and he goes, hey, you guys signed? Are you guys, He goes, are y'all signed? And then he starts putting out contracts. Like, he was trying to get us to sign already right there. And we're like, man, we just, we just signed a deal, man, for a single like two weeks ago with uh, so-and-so, and then he's all like, Oh, all right, never mind, man. Put the contract back in the briefcase. <laughs> he goes, hey, you guys are dope, though, man. And he shook our head and he walked away. <laughs> you know what? You got to be prepared. And obviously, yeah. he saw the talent, and and, and obviously so. You know, I, I would do the same thing. But but that, that's that's a manager right there. It's like, I'm, I'm going to get these guys, you know. And, yeah, man. You know, <laughs> 30 years later, man. So, so What a so, trip, though, man. <laughs> What a trip. Yeah, I just all of a sudden I kind of put it together. I'm like, well, because they were also Chicano rappers, but yeah, they were from Berkeley. Yeah. Aslan Nation. And I'm from Nation, so, man. Shout out to them, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll connect you with them because uh, they do a show every week on, on KPFK called The I've been on there. Power of Power. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's over here in uh, um, in Hollywood, the station. I, I went there a couple years ago. I was on there. We were promoting okay. some, and uh, Lalo interview, uh, interviewed us because we were promoting. Uh, uh, an event for um, for uh, the homie Antonio Pelayo. He does he does events out here like La Buya and El Velorio. He does like these big events out here in LA. And we were on there on that station promoting. I think it was uh, I think it was La Buya. It's like a wrestling like old, like Mexican wrestling okay. style event. You know, you got all these luchadores that come through. They have a ring, and you know they, they you know they 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 have uh, wrestling matches, and it's pretty dope, man. He does it once a year. And we were promoting on there with Lalo, and yeah, and Lalo remembered me. He goes, "Hey, Citric, man, what's up? <laughs> hey, critic, what's up? I'm calling yeah. you critic." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but now, hella cool dudes, man, and their their music, man, their music was incredible, man. Steve, man, he had that voice, man. He had the 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 chops, man, the flow, man. He just. It was just, it was just dope, man. It was just, it was, it, it, it was, it was tight when we would do shows with them to see those guys uh, perform, man. They had like a sick ass show lineup, man. They were a big inspiration to us, man. Wow, wow, amazing, amazing. Uh, maybe we should we should do a reunion show because I mean, you guys are still are still doing it. 
and uh, I'll, maybe I'll reach out to him. Maybe my mind's <laughs> always working, trying to connect, trying to do something. You know, but, but I'm glad that you know them and you came up with them. I mean, you've known them years longer than I've known them, so that's wonderful. I met him when I first moved to LA in 2000 when I first came out from Chicago. Oh, nice. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. Hella, hella cool people, man, and very talented, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and their whole thing was, you know, it was really political. You know, they were, they were, they were trying to make a statement, man. Like they had songs, like, you know, like uh, I think it was one of those songs that was still was the man. I can't remember the name. Of, I can't remember the name of the song, man. But it was something like the we didn't cross the border. The border crossed us. I think, or yeah. was that? Because I know there was another group that did that. This that this music like that was, which was. Uh, Wow, man, I, I can't man, I can't remember the name, man. But there was man, there were so many groups at the time that were doing political rap, and it was dope because you had you had people that were speaking for for us, you know. Because I'll be honest with you, man, I've never been into politics. I see the bullshit, you know what I'm saying? But I've never really been into it and don't even know how to address certain shit. But these guys had the mind and the words for, you know, they were speaking for us, bro. They were just speaking for the rest of them. And you like to speak to the people that drink tequila, so you know it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have a, you gotta have a speaker for everything, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like what you have to say. You uh, have yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, you know, as far as politics go. I'm, I'm kind of in your camp, where it, it, but it is great to see people that will speak on our behalf yeah. and are able to do it in such an eloquent way and such a rhythmic way. So yeah, no kudos to to Aslan Nation, and I'm I'm glad that that, that you guys kind of came up together and, and yeah. had each other's back. So what an exciting uh, time in, in your in your history. So then, but now obviously you've I don't think you've converted over to acting because you you know you, you, I still see that you put out music and whatnot. But how did you get into acting? How did you get discovered? How did that happen? Basically through you know through the the music you know it's like I like I always say music and movies go together and uh, I was on a website called brownpride.com, you know ran by my boy uh, uh, Sal Rojas. And uh, I remember they hit him up first. The people from the casting agency, they were casting a movie for Mike Judge, which at that time it wasn't called Idiocracy yet. But then, you know, they came out with the title after. Um, they, they were just calling it a Mike Judge film, you know. And, you know, Mike Judge created yeah. Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill, you know. It does all of, you know, a lot of the voices, you know, Hank Kill's voice and um, Office Space. So... I knew Mike Judge's work, you know, I was like, you know, I was a big fan, obviously, because Beavis and Butthead, you know, and King of the Hill. And when they hit me with that one, they go, uh, my boy Sal goes, hey, there's some people that are that are doing a casting for a, for a Mike Judge movie and want to know if you're interested. You know, they, they, they said they want to get in touch with you and see if you're interested in coming in for a reading. I said, yeah, man. I go, at first, I'll be honest with you, I, didn't, I wasn't really tripping on it. I was like, nah, I'm, not, I'm like, whatever about it. And then I said, yeah, shoot me the info, see what's up, I'll hit them up. And then my boy Sal goes, dude, just hit him up, dog. This, this, this you know, this, this is uh this could be a you know a whole a whole nother game, man, a whole nother outlet for you, man. You never know what could come from that. And and I say, yeah, it's true. You know, my boy Brown Wedo, rest in peace, he said the same thing. Cause I wasn't gonna go, bro. I wasn't gonna, you know, hit them up. So I hit them up, they sent me the script, and the, you know, my sides were, you know, and I had never did an audition in my life. So I was nervous about that, like super nervous, because I was like, man. I'm going to go in there. I don't know what to do, man. You know, I'm just be a fool. And, you know, and everybody kept telling me, just go, just go. So I went, I did the the audition and, uh, and uh, Mary with new casting was the the, the, sure. the casting director. I went on with her and then uh, they hit me up like a couple of days later and they go, hey, Mike Judge saw your video 
and uh, your audition tape, and he's rolling in. He wants to do a, a reading, a sit down with you. He's coming in next, in uh, I think two weeks. She said he's coming in, so we want you to have a reading with him. You know, sit down. So I said, cool, man. So then he came in, and I read, and you know, we talked, and and then he had me read a couple other different roles, you know, and then he was just like, he's just like, man, man, you're you're uh, you're funny, man. He goes, he goes, I really want to use you in this movie. I'm not sure for what. What part? But I really want to put you in this movie, and I say, well, man, I mean, whatever happens, happens, man. Whatever, you know, if you think you use me, cool, man. You know, I'm not, I'm not really tripping, and uh, and that was it. You know, we 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 shook hands, and yeah, you know, we'll talk soon, whatever. A month went by, I didn't hear nothing. I totally forgot about it. You know, it was no, you know, sure. I was just like, whatever. And uh, I get a call, man. I, I was I was I was co-hosting a TV show. I was working at Alley TV at that time, from 2000 to 2005. And uh, this was around 2004, I want to say. And I got and I, and I, I was getting ready to go to work. I was having uh, lunch across the street, and I was getting ready to go to the station to you know to go. You know, we we would do a, a live taping once a month. And um, I was getting ready, and I get the call. I was having lunch, and I get the call, and they say, "Hey, uh, uh, this is so and so and so, you know, cat from the cat, Mary Renew casting. We just wanted to uh, tell you congratulations. You got the part, and this and this and that. And I'm like, what part? You know, like I told him, <laughs> you didn't even have an agent. I, I, yeah, I didn't even have an agent. I didn't have a manager. I had none of that shit. You know, at that time, you know, it's like I didn't even have a music manager at that time because at that time I wasn't. I was doing music, but I wasn't really doing music. Um, it was like I was just doing stuff here and there, and I wasn't really doing shows, you know, that much. And if we did get shows, they would just come at me direct, you know. So I was doing all the deals by myself. So I really didn't need a manager at that time or nothing like that. I wasn't, you know, because I was doing the. The TV show I was on the on, on the payroll, you know, with the TV show with the LETV, and uh, the show was called the Hip Hop Show. So I wasn't really tripping, you know. I was like, you know, it, you know, I, I was working, so I wasn't like I wasn't like worried about it. And so I just totally slipped my mind. And then I asked her what part, and then she goes, "The part that you came in audition for, Mike Judge, for the movie uh, and, and, uh, that, that that we're doing." And like, oh, that movie. And then, well, yeah, yeah, what's up? yeah, okay. So these are the days we're filming. We're gonna fly you to Austin, Texas. You're gonna have to be out there for a month. This, this is your game paid this much. You get like everything was just coming at me real fast. I'm like what? Like I was just uh-huh, okay, okay. And, like I didn't know like what, you know what? And uh, we're gonna send you, uh, you the email with your itinerary and everything. And I was like okay, and I just didn't know what to do. You know, I was just like all right. So I just like like that whole the, I went to work that whole day and it still didn't hit me till like the following day. I checked my email and I was like oh shit, like this is like like really going down. You know. And, um, bro, I'll tell you one thing, man. At the last minute, when they, they came to pick me up, they even sent a fucking limo to come to come to my pad and pick me up. I was living in the in the, in the hood at that time. And uh, it was an apartment building. And everybody was like tripping out. Like, what's this big old stretch limo outside, you know? And uh, I was just like, dude, you know? It's like, I was just tripping out. Like, I, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do it. I, like, I started getting, like, cold feet. And I just, like, I, like, a lot of shit just started going through my mind. I'm like, what if... What, what if what if you know I make everybody look stupid? What if I make Mike Judge look stupid? What if I get there and you know and and I'm not the right fit for the part? But you know I'm like just so much shit was going through my head, man. And and everybody was calling me. The the uh, 20th Century Fox was calling me. The my manager was trying to call me. Everybody was calling my boy. The only one, the only calls I was taking from my boy, my rap partner at the time was Brown Weddle, rest in peace. And he was telling me, "Dog, you gotta go, man. This is fucking Mike Judge, bro. You gotta go, man." Like I telling them, I go, dude, I'm nervous. I don't know. I like I kept telling everything was going through my head. It was, bro, just go, man. You, you're gonna nail it, man. Just go, man. 
And yeah, it took a while, man. The, the, the limo drivers were knocking on my door. So finally, Mike Judge called me, man. Mike Judge was calling me. He called me a couple times. I didn't pick up. I finally pick up, like, on the third try, and he goes, hey, uh, you know, and he sounded like Hank Hill. He, like, not mad, but he sounded like Hank. And he goes, uh, Citra, everything all right? Uh, you know, we need you to get on that plane, man. To be, you know, you, you got to be out of here, man. We got to do the, the – tomorrow. we have a table reading tomorrow morning, so you got to get out of here tonight. You know? <laughs> and all this, I was like, all right, no, I, I, I'm there, man. I'm just grabbing some, some last-minute things, man, but I'm there, I'm there. I'm going, man. And then, yeah, so I, I finally went out there and uh, jumped in that limousine and – it changed my life, man. <laughs> That's what a crazy story. I mean, to, to, wow. Well, Mike Judge must, must have really seen something in you because it is, it's such a rich character, such a great character. Did you have a wig or, or yeah. okay. Yeah, and, me, did you have a wig. look? Yeah, I had to do a, they had to do a custom made wig and everything. I had to go to a fitting, you know, they, they're, you know, measuring my dome and, you know, they had this tape measuring around me and, and then the lady, uh, it, it was, it was. I remember it was at her house, and she had her house, and in the back, and she had a back house. The back house, the whole house was turned into a, like a studio for they sure, make wigs great. and all kind. Of, so they have pictures of all the movies they worked on, like they they do all kinds of like not just wigs but like special effects. And I remember they had stuff like from the Predator, you know, like they did a lot of a lot of work, you know, like 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 special effects costumes for for Predator. I was just like tri- I was just like tripping. I'm just sitting in the room. And just looking around at everything, just like in disbelief, because you know, I always, you know, I always wanted to be entertainment, but and, I, and my whole thing was music. And we had just signed a record deal with a Spanish record label out of Mexico, one of the biggest uh, record companies out of Mexico, and uh, we we're getting ready to go on tour and do the, you know this whole Spanish album, and they had everything lined up for us. And even the record label said, "Put everything on hold. When you come back, we'll we'll resume everything. Don't worry about it, man. Just go out there, man." And it was a good thing because while I was out there, my judge uh, goes, hey, man, I know you do music. He goes, I want to hear some of your shit. So I called the record company and told him, hey, can you send me some CDs so I can give to the to the director and the writer of the movie, you know, Mike Judge, he wants to hear some shit. So they, they overnighted me some CDs. I gave it to him the next day. And then uh, during lunch, we were talking. The following day, like the following day at lunchtime, he hit me up and he goes, hey, bro, there's like, three songs that I hear in this in the, on, on your CD that I really like, man. It goes, I, I, I want to put them in the movie. And I was just like, well, yeah, dude, whatever, man, whatever you think works. So I would just talk to the record label, man. You guys work it out and, you know, we'll make it happen. He's like, oh, no sweat, man. So, yeah, so when the movie was, was done filming, you know, I thought, you know, like I didn't really think much of it. Yeah, no, the next thing you know, the label calls me up and they go, hey, we're working a deal right now to get you three songs in the, on the movie and this and that. And, and that set off a whole nother, a whole nother thing, man. That, that became a whole nother paycheck too, because out of that, I started when the, when the album came out, and then Idiocracy came out, and then a lot of people, you know, were listening to it, especially now, because now you know you got Shazam and all that. You could people so the song, the, the music on Idiocracy, it made it to uh, Silicon Valley and HBO. Like I just started licensing music like all over, man, because of Mike Judge, like. Now I get hit up by all kinds of people like to license shit, you know? Amazing, amazing. And and uh, you know what? I didn't realize that part of the story. Um, I'll have to go back and I just watched the movie just randomly. I'll, I'll watch it every every five years. I'll, I'll probably watch it. And I just watched it maybe a, less than a month ago. And I think that's what got me thinking about you. I was like, oh, you know what? I, I got to reconnect with, with, with Anthony, <laughs> uh, with Citric over here. So... Uh, because it's such a great character, 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? I'm gonna take a screenshot. Can you do that face again? I better without it. Uh, uh, hang on. Yeah, do it both ways. Perfect. Perfect, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> you and, and that is like, that's, you know, mine is, you know, like, crazy. <laughs> you've at least, you've got this great face with, with <laughs> and I, I love that. I mean, at an instant, you know, before the, the flash or, you know, the phone clicks, you're like, and you got it. You've got this. It's funny because I, I, I started doing that face years ago, you know, back, back when I was like, I don't know, like 17, 16. And uh, me and my homies used to always, uh, that, that I was in Mexico. I had friends in Mexico, you know, because I was out there for like three years. That's how I learned Spanish real good because uh, I was getting into trouble over here. So my mom sent me over there for like three years. And uh, I learned that I went to school over there, for, you know, so I learned. That's what I did, you know. And for a long time, I was mad at my mom. But then I thanked her for it because, you know, it, it, every, you know everything just worked out. It just, I was able to do Spanish hip hop and it, it worked out, you know, like to this day. So, I used to do that face with, with the homies. We used to always play, uh, like, like you know, like just games. Like, who can you know? We try to make each other laugh. Like, you know, who do stupidest faces, you know? And 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 I would always win with that face and shit. You know, I would do that face and and I, and you know what I'm saying. So I would always get them cracking up and shit. So I always win, and they just stuck with me. You know, my mom used to always get mad. Hey, that's just gonna get stuck like that one day. You gotta stop doing it. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, like old people are, are like, don't do that. It'll stick like that. Yeah. But the, the reason I always go like this is because I have two looks. Like, if you're going to take my photo, especially when they, you know, before cameras were so good and, you know, if you needed a flash or if it's a dark, if I if I don't do anything, inevitably, I, I look like this. You know, I, I, I look, you know, like I'm half asleep. So I <laughs> overcompensate and then it just kind of became my look like, you know, like crazy. You know, so so that's the reason I do it, and then people, you know, when I got hired, yeah. they're like, "Okay, do that look." <laughs> well, well, one of the, one of the reasons why I, I do it too, like in photos, not like I started doing it because the same thing. If I if I take pictures, it just looks like it looks like a, like a, like I just woke up, like right now, like I'm just sitting here, and it just looks like I'm high as fuck, you know. Like normally I usually am, but but uh, you know, what I'm saying for the most part, that's just how that's just the way I look. I got yeah. small yeah. little eyes. Even if I'm high or not, you know what I mean. So I just that's just how I look. So when people yeah, say, "Are you high?" I always tell them a little bit, you know. And then um, I just you know I just go about my day. <laughs> but uh, I do that face, and then you know it just it just gives it another look, you know. Like okay, this one's awake. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, were you, were you or are you? And, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's great. In the cannabis industry or adjacent or because I know did you have a clothing line? Do you still? I know you've had several businesses, and I don't know if it's something you want to talk about, or if not, if not, no worries. I mean, we we used to be in the cannabis industry, you know. My son and my son and I used to grow for a while, you know, and then uh, and then uh, when I got the Lopez gig, I kind of I kind of stopped. I stopped. I stopped that for a while. Well, not not that I stopped. It's just that we got raided. You know what I'm saying? So they they raided they raided the the warehouse by accident. Only, but only because I didn't have my paperwork. Uh, in in uh, in 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 order, you know that's the only reason why. Well, they, they didn't rate that; they just rate, they rated us because somebody else said we're growing, but we had shit in order. But we were over the limit on the you know on how many we were able to grow. Sure, so sure. so they got me on that. They arrested me, but I got bailed out that same day. But after that, you know, I had just signed the deal with George, you know, to, with with TV Land, and I was just like, oh man, I'm gonna go to jail. I'm gonna fuck this whole shit up. So I was there, but when I went, I went to court. It was a it was a DA rate reject, 
because we weren't the people they were looking for. When they found us by accident, they were looking for another warehouse that was like maybe like, I don't know, like maybe like three, four blocks up. And that warehouse was doing like a million dollars a month or some shit. Like wow. not a month, but like every like every two months. I don't know. They were it was it was a huge, it was yeah, it was huge. They were doing like super huge. So that's the warehouse they were trying to shut down. Us, we were just doing for what we were doing, it was it was it was it was peanuts. So they weren't worried about us. They were worried because three, like I said, a couple weeks later, they caught the real ones they were worried about. So my case got thrown out. So I was like, oh, man, thank God, man. And then a month later, I started filming George with George. And so I just stopped, you know, because then I started making money with George and, sure. you know, doing the, with TV land. And I wasn't tripping on it. But I've always been a big advocate in the cannabis industry because, uh, you know, like in the early days when we were doing Browntown stuff, you know, we were we were out there marching at the hemp rallies. We were, like, putting in work with the, with the homie Rest in Peace Jack Herrera. Which there's, there's a bud called Jack Herrera, you know. And there is. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, you know, we got to hang out with him. And, you know, a lot of, I learned a lot from that, from that man. Man, he taught us so much shit, you know. And we used to go to his office when he had his office out there in Van Nuys in the Valley, in San Fernando Valley, you know. And we used to go out there, man, and hang out with him and blaze and chop it up, all kinds of shit. He would let us perform at the hemp rallies. I remember one time we did a show outside the federal building, man. <laughs> and, and we even, you know, like all the, you know, the, the, federal, you know, FBI is walking around just making sure nobody was smoking weed on the premises and and uh, keeping it peaceful, you know, but we, every rally we did was peaceful, you know, and and, and sometimes Cypress Hill would show up because, you know, they were on tour at the time and sometimes they would just show up, you know, and it was wow. just, uh, it was just, it was just a beautiful, it was a beautiful time, man, because, you know, we're just having a good time, man. We're just like a bunch of hippies, man, just having a good time, smoking weed and performing and and you know, just people everywhere. <laughs> well, I, so I mean, obviously, you know, you guys were there. You're early adapters, I think. Now, as as people are called, but you know, the writing was on the wall, and I'm glad that you were one of the, the early advocates for it because now it's you know, and soon it'll probably be legal, legal federally. Federal, which, yeah. you know, that's that's uh, I, I, you know, I talked to a few casino owners, and and their their general consensus is like, no, we would never do anything here. Until it's legal federally, you know, federal, yeah, that's that, that's the situation with everybody. We go. A lot of people are with it, but they're they're not a hundred percent with it until it's federal, you know, yeah. until it's you know it's regulated like alcohol, basically. And that's what's going to happen, you know. They're just trying to figure out how can we regulate this, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? So, so that's really where it, it all falls down to with uh, with law enforcement because they don't know how to regulate it like alcohol. Like they could test you. You know, with alcohol, if you're drunk driving, DUI, you know? So they're trying to figure that out for weed. How are we going to, you know, how are we going to be able to regulate this, you know? Because either way, regardless of anything, a lot of people are out there smoking and doing their thing, just like there's drunk drivers or smoke, you know, people are smoking. But I think drunk drivers are way more dangerous than, than, than we smokers, I'll be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not advocating to smoke and go out and drive, but I'm just saying from my experience and my knowledge, I've seen it. A lot of people have seen it. You know, alcohol is more dangerous than, than cannabis is, you know. And uh, law enforcement, they, they don't know how to regulate it. So that's the that's the problem right there, man. They don't know how to regulate that. How can they tax people if you're, you know, you're fucking up? I get it, you know. I uh, get yeah. it. That's, that's it. And, of course, they want their cut, you know. Yeah, exactly. They want to make their – that's what I'm saying. How, they're trying to figure out, okay, how can we tax this if, they, if people are – you know, DUI in there like that. How can we get it into a DUI? Because there's really no accurate test that can say you were high at this moment or at the, you know, it's like there's really right. nothing accurate, you know, that because 
we all know that shit can stay in your system for you can smoke right now, not smoke for the rest of the month, and it'll still pop up. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So they could say, well, you could say, well, fuck, I smoked last month, but it's still in my system. Still in my system. So I'm not high. It's been a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, they're trying uh, to perfect. They're trying to perfect a test for that. That's really where it's at. I think once they figure that out, it's going to go federal, and then it's going to, you know, it's going to get regulated just like alcohol. Right on. Right, right, right on. So then, uh, were there a lot of projects between? And and, and that really is one of my favorite movies, Idiocracy, because it's obviously it's so well written. You know, thank you, Mike Judge, yeah. uh, and, and so comedic. And I feel like maybe it was underrated when it came out, but if it's not already a cult classic, I think it will be because just the talent in there and and the commentary, the social commentary mm-hmm. on w- what you know, how our society is devolving. I mean, yeah. it was, it was brilliant. And, uh, and everyone that was in it was, was amazing, including, you know, yourself, Citrix. So congratulations for being, I'm glad, I'm glad you got in that limo. I'm, I'm glad your neighbors didn't fucking steal the tires of that limo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah no, thank you, bro. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's one of those, it's one of those movies that, that, uh, it's 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 uh it's, I guess it's uh, considered a sci-fi comedy, but it's it's like man, if you look at what's going on in the world these days, man, it's kind of like almost like we're we're almost there, and um and it has you know what and it, and 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 it has become a cult classic. I get uh, it's already uh it's being called um what was it what what's some of the quotes I've been seeing uh. The first comedy movie to turn into a documentary. That's what I. That, that's, yeah, I see that pop up all the time. Yeah, the first comedy movie that turned into a documentary. It's a documentary. And I, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, "Damn!" You know, like, and then I started seeing that everywhere. And I, and every time when people figure out, or when they put two and two together, they're like, "Wait a minute, you're the guy from Idiocracy on the Secretary of Defense." And then I do the, you know, and then people start they start laughing. They're like, "Man, that movie was so ahead of its time." And a lot of people that saw it when it first came out, they were like, when I first saw it, I was like, man, I just lost brain cells right now. And the same people, 10, 20 years later, like, dude, that fucking movie is so on point, man. He goes, I didn't realize it at the time, but now I look at it and it's like, man, Mike Judge was ahead of his time on this one. You know, from the merging of, of all these, uh, you know, global corporate, corporate uh, entities, to I mean to the de- devolving of of, of fuddruckers and you yeah. see it evolving from fuddruckers and it ends up being called buttfuckers yeah. because that's what we always think anyways but it shows the evolution and you get hand jobs at Starbucks and, yeah. uh, I mean yeah. it, and it's just the dumbing down of America the dumbing down yeah. of society yeah. and uh, and all the characters are just just brilliantly played and and uh, I mean in- including like that general. That was also a pimp, you know, because Upgrade got him in trouble. Whatever. Yeah, I said, I just saw it. I started thinking of you again. I was like, I wonder what Citrix up to. And uh, when I first saw it, when it first came, you know, or maybe soon after it came out, um, I remember thinking, I was like, who the hell is that? Because every time I see a Latino actor, I'm like, I got to find out who that is. And yes. at first I thought it was my friend Horatio Sands from Saturday Night Live. But I was like, that's that can't be him. I'm like, that's not him. Like, no, I go, that's somebody else. But I go, but who is it? Why have I never seen him before? You know, because I, I try to follow Latino actors. And then yeah. I think I think that's when I when you first got on my radar was because, you, you know, you, you were in this this 
cult classic of a movie, but I saw really? it when it first came out. And even then I thought it was brilliant. I was like, of course, Mike Judge. It's yeah. Brilliant commentary. Yeah, no, this shit, this shit is wild, man. Yeah, and I, I go places, you know, and like I said, when people figure it out, you know what I'm saying, they, or they put two and two together, they, a lot of people have recognized me because of the voice. You know, yeah. when I started talking, and there's some, I remember I was at 7-Eleven, some food looking at me, and I was just like, oh, shit. And I was up there with my son, and we're talking, and then the food just kept coming up to me closer and coming up. And I was getting ready to sock this food because I don't know what he was up to, you know? And he comes up to me and goes, hey, bro, wow. By any chance, were you in a movie called Idiocracy? And I started laughing and like, well, yeah, Secretary of Defense, right? And like, well, yeah. He goes, oh, man, yeah, I love that movie, man. I recognize your voice right away, man. He was like two like two hours over, man. We're in the 7-Eleven. And he came around, and so, yeah. So I thought he was, like, coming, like, trying to, you know, like, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I was already, like, ready, man. I was like, man, this fool, he looks like he's up to something, man. <laughs> but now he was cool, man. <laughs> just a fan, just a fan. Yeah. I, I, I got recognized taking a dump in, in, a, in a bowling alley. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I've told that story before. Uh, it's out there. So I'll have to tell you uh, one of these days. Yeah. But, uh, what's that? Yeah, no, let me, let me know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, uh, it, it was it was because I did commercials for Del Taco and I was Luisito. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you real quick. And this guy... <laughs> I, I was at a bowling alley in the valley, and it was. I, I was like, "Oh, I got to use the, the bathroom." And it had stall doors, but they only went up to here. I think so people wouldn't go in there and do drugs or whatever, or oh, I don't know, have sex. So I'm like, uh, and, and you know, people aren't taking dumps, I guess, outside of their home. I'm like, I can't wait. So I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of trying to cr- crunch down, and the doors like this, and this this Latino guy walks by, and then you know he comes walking by, and then he like stops. And he backs up and he like looks in and I'm and I'm thinking kind of probably like what you're thinking, like, oh, this fool want, man. Like, what the yeah. fuck? And, and then, you know, he, he he just continues. And right next door, you know, there's a wall. But then r- right past the stall wall, there is a urinal. So he starts going mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he starts going, Luisito, making a burrito. Oh, Luisito. <laughs> My name was Luisito in these commercials yeah. for Del Taco. Luisito. <laughs> making a burrito and i'm like <laughs> what a time to get recognized is when i'm taking a drop out of all places uh, dropping a dude so at least your guy recognized you of your voice not because you were sitting there taking a dump and then made a song about it i would have been like hey bro are you dropping off that del taco <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have also worked that would have been funny as well i would have been like Oh, what do these guys want? Oh no, uh, I don't. Mean, I don't got anything, guys. I don't. I don't got nothing. Um, you're, making, you're making a drop off. Making a drop off. Drop. I call it the Del Taco drop off. That's right. <laughs> they haven't hired me since then, so so I, I don't oh, care. If they're going to be a sponsor. Um, that is amazing. So, uh, any other? Because uh, and then, but you worked on a little bit on King of the Hill and Squidbillies. Yeah, yeah. So you've done voiceover. And uh, are you still okay on time? I don't want to monopolize your whole day, but uh, yeah, I'm cool. I got, I got, I got got a little bit of time still, man. Yeah. Well, good, good, good. Well, thank you, and I want to thank you again for those of you that just joined us. My guest today on Paul Motto Presents is Anthony Campos, aka Big Citric or Citric or Citro, as uh, don't call him. (laughs) Only George calls him that. George, that's George Lopez. Uh, So. Yeah, uh, th- thank you so much for taking time and being here. So yeah, you did voiceover, and, and I'm I'm sure because you knew Mike Judge that got you on King of the Hill, which is, you know, yeah, you've made yeah. your own connections. You, you you did great work for him, and then um, 
were there any other big projects? Uh, was it Harsh Harsh Times? Was yes. There- with Christian Bale. With Chris yeah. Bale. Did Harsh Times with Christian Bale and uh, Freddie Rodriguez and uh, uh, Eva Longoria. She was in there for a couple of scenes. And I didn't get to meet her, but yeah, but you know, but but she was in that movie. But uh, my scene was with uh, Noel G. It's me, Noel G. A couple other homies that were in there. And uh, wait, wait, and- wait, 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 wait. You're not Noel G. <laughs> <laughs> the only Chicano that works in film. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then, you know, it's crazy that he that uh, in that movie he had his hair grown out. So some That's people right. you recognize him if you know him, but some people won't recognize him because he doesn't have a bald head. But you know he had his hair growing out because in the movie, in the storyline, he's supposed to be more like a, a reformed cholo, like he's trying to do better now. You know, he's trying to do good. You know, so so he's, he's trying to change his way. So he's growing out his hair, but we're still caught up in the same shit. You know? Amazing. <laughs> but, uh, it's, 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 it's a, a, a great real, scene. It's a great yeah, scene. I mean, no. Back then, I, I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have put it all together. And I'm also <laughs> friends with with Noel G. And I yeah. saw that you were actually doing some comedy stuff together. Um, yeah, yeah no, real, real, real great guy, man. He's comedy, man. He's funny, man. Like he does, he like, like he does. You know, I, at that time I didn't know he was, you know, he was doing stand up too. But he does stand up here and there, man. Whenever he, you know, sure, he gets a, you know, he gets a call for it. But, but you know, acting is his, you know, his main, his main uh, bread and butter, man. He, you know, and he gets a lot of roles and he flies all over the world, man, to do, you know, to do movies and stuff like that, man. So he stay, he stays working, man, and that's a good thing, man, because you already know. It's hard, man. It's hard to stay working in, in, as an actor in, in this business, especially being Latino. And then if you got like a certain look, like one, like you know, you get, you know, like like stereotyped or or uh, you know, typecast, what they call typecast, or you know, they just you just have a certain look sometimes that they they feel they can't put you in something else, and you know. But I'm like a like I'm like a like like a witness that shit could change if you put on a wig or you you know. You cut off your mustache, you grow a mustache, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You 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 know shit, shit can change. You don't have to always be that same that same character. But a lot of times, because they, they look at me in the wild from the streets, you know, with cholos. Now a lot of times they want to oh the cholo role, the cholo role. But now nah, we can play more than just the cholo role, you know. You know, just yeah. oh, but you know, I'll throw on the wig. Idiocracy is a perfect example, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. You, you you guys, you have range. And, uh, but, but I know for, 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 well, I think I heard uh, George Lopez call him Noe. So, I, yeah, you're right. The George changes everybody's name. He goes, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody's name. <laughs> he'll, he'll use your same name, but he'll twist it a little bit, you know? <laughs> That's now, now you're this. Now, now this is what I'm going to call you. Right. <laughs> George Lopez, he, you're not going to argue with him. <laughs> you're on his show. Call me whatever you want, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's funny because and for those that just joined us, we're we, uh, we're bringing up a mutual friend, uh, Noel G or Noel G, who uh, <laughs> who uh, is, is uh, Hector from the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. But right, if if uh, there's a, a Chicano role, a, a Latino film or something, uh, and they need a role, he also had monkeys flying out of his ass. Yeah, Bruce <laughs> I think yeah, that was maybe his first. Kind of one of the big roles. Yeah, one of the with, with Jim Carrey, man. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Emilio right. Rivera's yeah. in that scene too. Who is? Emilio Rivera. That's right. Uh, of course. He's in that if you remember, he's wearing the cutoff like like a like a, a Levi's uh or a jeans vest. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Emilio Rivera's in that with monkeys come flying out of my ass. Well, monkeys <laughs> come flying out of his ass. 
Yeah, no, Noel, I was going to say Hector Noel, he's always getting clowned for that, man. He's like, forever, you know, people are like, hey, remember when that monkey came out of your ass? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody always hits him up on that shit. <laughs> That's funny. So are you friends also with with uh, with uh, uh, Toy Shack, Johnny, with, with Johnny from the Toy Shack here in Vegas? Have you, nah, you know, I've never met him, but I know he's real tight with Noel. Yeah, yeah. But I, I never met uh, Johnny well, next time you come out, uh, maybe maybe we'll hang out because yeah, Johnny's a good friend of mine as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm down, man. Yeah, I would love to go see his shop, man. Yeah, it's a great shop, especially for people like us that you know that you, if your mom threw away all your old toys, they're all there, but now they're going to cost you a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and I would uh, love to go out there, hang out, and you know, yeah. just check out his shop. Which we'll, we'll I mean, uh, um, Phil, we're talking about going out to Vegas soon, so he has to go handle some business over there, you know, and uh, with the DMV and. So we're talking about we're like just making a, a weekend out of it, you know, just go out for the weekend. Maybe we could just hang out and, you know, go do some lunch and go check out the shop and mastermind some shit. <laughs> take, you, you guys should take the bus out here. Uh, with me and Phil, we won't fit. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to take two seats uh, e e each. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. I love it. And, we're and you buy four tickets for two guys. <laughs> hey, we're traveling in style. We each get our own row. Uh, you, you've uh, and you've lost weight though, have you not? I mean, you, you look. Yeah, I lost a little bit of weight, man. You know, it's just uh, you know, especially recently, I put myself on a diet, man. When I once I get over three hundred pounds, I start feeling it. You know, it's like so. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta check myself, man, from time to time, man, because I love to eat, man. You know, there's so much good food out there, man, and. You know, one of the places my son and my and, and me have been talking about is when we go to next time we go to Vegas, man. We're trying to hit that heart attack grill. <laughs> I was, I was. Uh, my joke was, I was two pounds away from eating for free. Yeah. I, yeah if you, if for those that you gotta don't know, be three fifty, you know, or something like that. If you weigh over three fifty, you eat for free, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, you can do it once a day. But if if I if, that, if I would have done that right now, I'd be five or six hundred pounds. At least, uh, yeah, dude. I don't know. Oh yeah, no. I was telling my son today too. I go, man. I gotta work. I gotta work out, man. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, yeah. I gotta work out. Start eating more so we can so we can eat for free. <laughs> uh, I was actually probably already. Truth be truth be told, I was up to like three hundred and sixty five pounds, uh, and then I started doing yoga. Uh, Anthony, believe it or not. And uh, so I kind of started even a little yoga company called Bad Ombre Yoga, but um, it's it's uh, it really ended up helping me just because I would I would eat better I would I wouldn't go out drinking at night because if if and I never said oh I have to do yoga tomorrow I would say I get to do yoga tomorrow yeah. so it, it would eliminate the you know I'd be like you know what I'm not going to go out tonight and drink because then I don't get to do yoga in the morning. You know, or, or in the afternoon, or you could do it any time. But if I go out drinking with you tonight, I'm not going to do anything tomorrow. And I already know my body. So it, it eliminated. And I think that's part of the reason I lost, you know, like, because I'm, I'm right at like around 300 or I'm always right around there. So yeah. I lost about 65 pounds, but I've got another 100 to go, man. So maybe we can do this journey together. Yeah, man. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just you know, disciplining yourself. That's it. Like you said, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and don't look at it like, oh, I have to do it. You know, you got to look at, oh, man, you got to look forward to it. You know what? I'm going to do this because uh, at the end of the day, you know, I want to get results. And then same thing when, you know, when I get on the on the in, indoor, you know, I try to do as much walking as possible. We go out to the market. We go to the store, to Target, Walmart, whatever. You know, 
we'll 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 go around the store a couple of times to get that walk in. But at home, I have a, a cycle, you know, indoor cycling, you know. So sure. I, I do at least thirty minutes every day on that thing, man. And and yeah, there's days when I'm just like beat, man. I just not, I'm just I'm just not feeling it. But I'll get it. I'll get it in no matter what, man. I'll just be like, nah, man. It's gonna you know it'll be all good. Thirty minutes will go by quick. Throw on the headphones. You know, play some music or throw on the TV or whatever, you know, watch something. Before you know the 30 minutes are over, sometimes I go over, you know, I end up doing like an hour, 40 minutes, yeah. 45 minutes, you know, before you know it. Because I get so into the programming, you know, what I'm watching or or I'm listening to music and I'm just vibing, you know, and the time goes by quick. So I don't look at it like, oh, I have to, you know, yeah, I just look at it like, oh, no, I'm looking forward to doing it, you know, like I want to get results. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, you know. It's it's the getting started that's always yeah that's the hard part getting started. Oh, yeah. Hang on, you know what? I forgot. I got to fill out this this thing. I got to send out this quick message, and then <laughs> and then the day's over. You're like, oh my god, yeah. where did where did the day go? But that's what I love about yoga, and I'm gonna see if I can get more Latinos into it, especially men. You know, uh, because I, I I'm sure there's this stigma about yoga that it's either for ladies or you have to be flexible or you have to be fit. You know, none of that is true. Yoga doesn't get easier. You just get better. You just um, get better, so, yeah. That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to try and get, you know, more more men into it. By, by I'm starting a, a company that will make bigger mats, you know, uh, bigger blocks because, you know, it's all it's all about uh, uh, making the floor come up to you. You know, you don't have to go down to the floor. You can just get bigger blocks. You just modify, and, and it'll make it easier for, for people. That's it. For POSs, people of size, I like to say that we're – Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like big and tall. Big and tall. Big and tall. <laughs> ombre yoga. So let me ask you, and then and then I think uh, if you're ready, you know, you tell me. But um, so how did you end up on Lopez? Did you know George already? Or was it the same audition process and then you guys connected? Or how did you guys end up – how did you end up on Lopez? The, the way I got the Lopez gig was uh, through uh, John Oshler and, and uh, Dave Krinsky with uh, the writers – and executive producers of the show, but they, they've, um, I met them through Mike Judge because they've done uh, some executive producing with Mike Judge, like Silicon Silicon Valley on HBO. I don't know if you've ever seen that that, that show. Really good show. I don't, I don't think it's air. I think it's already, it's already done, but um, they did, a, they did, they got a lot of seasons out of there. I was on, on, on one of the, on one of the episodes on season, season one, episode five. You were a tagger? Or I mean, an artist. Yeah, the tagger. Yeah, the artist that, yeah. Tootie. Yeah, yes. so. So, um, so those guys, you know, they're, they're, they're writers and executive producers for that show as well, you know? So they all, they're all from that same circle. So that's where that came out or for a couple of years, they were just telling me, you know, like, Hey, we got something big we're working on for you. Uh, we want to, we want to bring you aboard. I'm, do, I'm doing some, you know, something big, but we'll keep you, we'll keep you in the loop, you know? But I was just like, yeah, cool. You know, whatever, whatever you guys want to do, man, just let me know, man. You know, I'm here, you know, you already know. And a couple of years went by, man, you know, and, and they, you know, they, once in a while when I would work with them on other stuff, they would tell me that, but I never really tripped on it. I was just like, I never hit them up. Hey, what's going on with that? Or what's up? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I was just like, cool. If it happens, it happens. And then, yeah, like two years later, I get a, I get a call from my agent and she says, there's this uh, pilot that's being filmed and they want to know if you're interested is working with, uh, for a new show they're trying to do for George Lopez. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I go, yeah, man. You know, so. So she she signed me up, and what happened is I never had to do an audition for it because they just called me in for the reading. They go, we're gonna have a table reading. You're gonna you're gonna read with George and the other people. They already have like the, the, my boy Moranzio Moranzio Vance, and then uh, 
Hawass was there. There was a couple other cats that were there on the show. Um, they, they didn't really make it to the show. The only one that made it was Moranja, but they had like like two other characters. I, mean, I can't I can't remember their names, but anyways, um, I went over there and I, and I was the first one there at the reading, and I'm sitting there on the on the on the, on the, the secretary, you know, walked me into the, the the conference room where they're having them. You know, the big old table, you know, where we're having the reading. Had my laptop there. I'm on my laptop just going through the script, just checking shit, you know. And then uh, in walks in uh, John Osler. And uh, he has the the all the, the, the script for that pilot episode. He has a whole bunch of them in his hand. He's putting them on the table. And then he sees me. He goes, hey, Sitchin, what's up, man? And I looked at him. Hey, what's up? And then it dawned on me. And I'm like, oh, shit. Wait a minute. And I was, I was sitting there and I go, hey, so you're behind this? He goes, yeah, we're exec- me and uh, Dave are executive producers on this. I'm like, oh, shit. So, you know, we wrote you in for this, man. So, you know, and I'm like, damn, I, but I go, so so what's the situation? Is this the audition or what? <laughs> like, you got it. If you, want goes, it. you already got it. This is the table read. I'm like, well, how do you know I'm going to nail it? He goes, oh, we know, man. We know, we already know, man. We know what, you, you know what you're capable of doing. I'm like, all right. So in, in walks in George. Right after, you know, like like maybe like five, ten minutes later, I walks in George. And this was like on a Monday morning, early in the morning. It's like eight o'clock in the morning, you know. And he walks in there, with all, you know, in a suit. He's got dark glasses on. And you can tell he was partying the night before or something. Man. <laughs> and he was just like, and he looks at me and he was just went like that. Like, what's up? And then uh, John goes, hey, George, I want you to meet uh, Anthony, a.k.a. Citric. He's going to play Manolo, uh, your driver. And, um, and that's it, you know, and, you know, we shook hands. And then after he just he just said, "All right, let's get to work." And then he kind of sized me up. He looks at me up and down, and, you know, like that. And then he just sized me up. And then he just, "All right, let's get to shook my hand. Let's get to work." And we sat down and and uh, we we did the the reading. And when we were done with the reading, he turns around because he was sitting right next to me. He turns around, he looks at me, and he goes, "He goes, that was great. That was great. I like that. I like that." And he goes, "All hey, right, check it out, man. Right now, in about ten minutes, we're gonna go into that next room." The way you read right here, you better read like that over there in the room. And I'm like, okay, we have no no problem. Like, well, what's up? Because oh, because over there we're reading for the executives of TV Land, and I'm like, oh, great. So I'm like, fuck. So we go. They take us next door, and we go in there. There's a bunch of executives, like maybe like 15, 20 people. There's like chairs. There's a long table. We're all sitting on the table. George is in the middle. I'm right next to him. Other people, cast members on this side, cast members on that side, reading. And there was like 15, 20 chairs in front of us. So it was like an audience. And they're all getting like their coffees and drinks or whatever. And then all of a sudden we sit down and then they come and they sit down and we start the reading. It's like, like almost like a play in a way, you know, that's how it felt. Like, like you're reading out a play. And I remember when it got to my first line, uh, uh, I kind of stumbled and then I was like, oh, great. And I was like, fuck. But then I caught it. And then, cause I was like, I was really nervous, you know? And then I caught it, and I was like, oh, fuck, man. I'm a, but I was thinking, I'm going to get fired before I even get hired. Right here. I'm thinking of myself. Eh? So I kept going. I caught it, and we, we 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 did the whole thing. And TV Land loved it, man. And they were clapping, and they, they were laughing. You know, the, once we, we heard them laughing, it was it, it was like I knew, okay, we got something here. Because they were it – was, it, was, it was weird, man. It was like a play, but it was almost like you're doing – like you're improvising, and you're doing stand-up at the same time. It was – I don't know. It was weird, man. It was like three elements going on at once, and we have a live audience right there, you know, just sitting there, you know. So, so that was a crazy experience. But, you know, yeah, they loved it. And they, but then even after that, they still like they were kind of iffy. They still wanted to audition a couple more heads, but the writers kept fighting for me. And oh man, that's that's your guy, Citri. That's your guy. 
And then when we finally taped the the, the pilot, um, and they pieced it up and they saw it all, and then they did like one of those uh, um, those focus like focus yeah, testing, yeah. a focus group, yeah, focus, yeah, testing. focus group testing. So they did like two of those. I the, the first one I tested, I tested good. And the second one I tested really well, you know, like really, you know, like it was like really up there. The numbers were good, so they were just like they couldn't deny it. You know, they couldn't deny the chemistry between George and I. You know, and so they were just like, "That's our, that's our guy right there, Manolo." You know, and then after the first season, I became the fan favorite. You know, so, so you know, so you know, we did season two, but then we didn't get a season three. We almost did, but just a bunch of shit happened. You know, George got into it with the executive, not the executives, the uh, the the network people. You know, just over shit, you know, they, they were promoting it the way they promised they were and a bunch of other stuff, you know, because a lot of people knew that George had a new show up, but they were kind of like, they were kind of like expecting George and the whole crew, the cast to promote it more and, you know what I'm saying, than them putting in promo. But all the other shows that were airing after us or before us, they were putting that promo into that. And so George was mad, you know, and, sure, and sure. got into it with them, you know, and, and, you know, George, he got no filters, you know. He speaks his mind, and you know he gave him a piece of his mind, and then they got into it. Yeah, next thing you know, yeah, the, uh, we we just got the notice that they said uh, there's not gonna be a season three, but they go, we, we still wanna, we still wanna do something with it, you know, like put it out, you know, or continue the show, but it's gonna take some time. That's what the executive producers John and Dave were saying, but nothing has happened since, so we don't, we don't, I really don't know what's going on, and I know TV Land still owns or rights to. Season one and two, yeah. so I think there's some kind of conflict going on right there too. You know, well, um, did you guys actually come out? Because I know season two was supposed to take place in Vegas. I mean, it, it took place in Vegas, but did you guys actually come out to film in Vegas, or or was it just more like outside shots of Vegas? No, we did. We did one episode in Vegas. That was the last episode on season one. That's it. That, that whole episode. That, you know, was I was so Vegas. excited because I was like, when this comes back for season three. I'm going to try to get on the show. I'm going to talk to my agent in, in, in here in Vegas yeah, and go, yeah. because I really thought the show was going to move to Vegas to do well, the we, show. We, we were going to, well, what was going to happen was season two. The, we, uh, we shot everything back, back in LA. We, we do, so we only shot episode one in Vegas. And I think part of two, uh, part of the last episode of, of, of season one. And uh, cause it was, I think it was like 12 episodes. So season 11 and 12 were shot. In Vegas, like half of eleven, and, and all the twelve was shot in Vegas. That was all we were shooting inside the casino at. Uh, I think it was Bally's. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no. At the Flamingo, I think. I don't know. I think, is a Flamingo and Bally's uh, uh, next door to each other? I believe so, but it probably Flamingo because that's where that's where um, a Dice Andrew Dice Clay was doing his show. So I think Flamingo's pretty. Pretty friendly with for, for film so shit. I, I think we were filming inside of Flamingo, but we were staying at Bally's, which was across the street. Because yeah. we were using our, our own uh, hotel rooms as our as our dressing room. So when they would need us, they would send somebody to go get us and then they would bring us down to the down to the floor. But there was like a yeah. like we would have to cross to, to the casino across the street. But it was just like a little street. So I think there would I remember I remember there were uh, uh, neighbors, you know. But I remember we were staying at Bally's, and then we were filming in, on the on the floor, the casino next door. And I think it was a flamingo. And um, yeah, they would close out areas, and then they had security, couple of cops, you know, because everybody, you know, it's George Lopez, so people were trying to take pictures, and you know. But but for the most part, everybody was being respectful while we were filming. 
you know, everybody was that kept their distance and we were doing our thing. And uh, we had a bunch of, a bunch of uh, background people that were, that were from Vegas, you know, that, that, that got into, you know, to, to be on that episode. And, uh, you know, they made it look, they made it look nice, man. Like we were really like, you couldn't even tell that we shut it down. You know, that area, you know, we were filming, it just looked, looked like a normal casino day, man. You know? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was dope. And what happened, it was on season two, uh, George George uh, comes back to LA because he he didn't want to because eventually he, the whole season one is he's trying to get a residency show right in Vegas so he ends up getting the residency show but then season two it, it became too repetitive for him so he was tired of it so he comes back to LA and he doesn't want to go back to Vegas so the season two they filmed it in LA but they were talking like season three we were gonna do back and forth Vegas and LA Vegas yeah. and LA and shit. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Uh, my, my friend, and I don't know if you, if you know Del Zamora, but he yeah, was on the home. Yeah, the fucking George Lopez guy. Yeah, yeah he was also born in East LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Del was born in East LA. He was in RoboCop. Yeah. He was in, uh, in uh, Repo Man. That was his first big movie. So he, uh, he, he, he and I are, are pretty close. And uh, I, I lived with him when I first moved to LA, which is I happened to meet him. And he oh, kind of took me in, and he's always been kind of a mentor. I, I know pe- some people have issues with him, but he was great. I, I thought he was great on Lopez. And yeah, he's uh, hella, hella cool people and really good actor, man. And funny, man. He's hilarious. I, I, yeah, he is. He, he really is. And I think he's going to come out because uh, we're going to play in the World Series of, uh, of Poker together. Uh, oh, nice. you, do you play poker? Nah, I don't, man. Oh, good. We should play for money then. No, <laughs> That's why I don't play, man, because I'll lose. <laughs> I'll lose everything. <laughs> I, I, I know Noel. Noel G's a, a good player. So. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he know he loves he loves to uh, uh, play. Uh, he's always over here at the casinos, you know. And he just yeah, that that's his thing, man. He goes, man, that's my. That's my only downfall, man. Gambling, man. <laughs> oh, I know. I've yeah. I've spent some time with him and and Johnny from the Toy Shack and Johnny yeah. the guy that owns Nerd Bar. We've had some good times, um, but man, is there uh, is there anything that uh, you'd like to promote? Is there anything uh, you know? I know that people can find you. I believe it's still it's at bigcitric.com. Yeah, bigcitric.com. Uh, All my social media is bigcitric, and uh, we you know we had we had just shot some stuff called Ghetto Busters recently too, and uh, it was on Tubi and on Am- and on Amazon, but they took it down because uh, apparently it just made it to the it got set to to this film festival and. In France, the Canyon, I think it's called the Canyon Film Festival, or, or it can't, it can't. yeah. So they 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 made us take it down from the platforms. Well, it while it's at the festival, so we're gonna see what happens from there. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what I'm saying that, that that's like the latest shit that we had dropped. But other than that, man, just uh, people can look me up, uh, Big Citric on all my social media and uh, and BigCitric.com for you know. They want to listen to the, the the podcast too that I'm doing the Big Citrix show with my co-host Phil Medina, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll bring it over to the fireside, man. We're gonna, we will. We're I think they, that, they would love to have you here. I think there you go. Yeah, yeah. Please, uh, you, you want anyone that's here? Please, a round of applause for for Anthony Big Citrix Campo. Uh, he's been so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you thank you. And uh, please share share the room and share the recording. If you, I forgot to, to I think I sent it out, but then I forgot to uh, ask you guys to to share it. So after it's it's uh, shareable, please share it with the world. And then tomorrow morning, uh, five a.m., my series Paul Vado presents is debuting. So I'm releasing my first three episodes, oh, which nice. 
uh, uh, Kay Parker from Canada, uh, Bill Cott, uh, Mr. Lariat on Wizards of Waverly Place, uh, and then Naomi Joseph with Pepper on American Horror Story. And then, so I'm going to, Citric, I'm going to save yours uh, for either a few days later or, or maybe even next week where it'll be available on all streaming, you know, platforms. Okay. So Citric, man, uh, and I hope that you'll come back and maybe work with me and and uh, and uh, Butch, Butch Bradley, the stand-up comedian, so we can, because yeah. I, I work on my stand-up as well, buddy. You, you've inspired me. Yeah, no, let's, let's do it, man. You already know, man. Anytime, uh, anytime, you know, you want me to come on the show, you or we go out there, let's hang out, let's work on some shit, man. Let's pro, let's produce some uh, some comedy shows out there in Vegas, man. You, yes, and and and, and Noel has been wanting to do that. So so uh, let me let me get motivated and and uh, talk to my buddy that, that owns the yeah. comedy club and have you guys come out and do a fast and furious. You and and, and the, is it uh, Phil? You said Phil. Yeah, well, Phil Medina. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was the one producing. Uh, uh, Fast and Furious tour, wonderful, wonderful. If you could connect me with, the, with the, I think what do you call it? the Fast and Funny? You're something like the Fast and Funny. Fast and funny. I think it was the, the Fast and the Funny or the Funny and the Furious. The Fast yeah, and something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, 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 it's a good play off the you know the whole Fast and Furious. I remember when I first when Phil came came to us with that idea, and I was like, oh, this is dope, man. This is sick. Sure, 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 sure. sure. And uh, it's it's not easy, man, because if I think. The audience will catch you a little bit, give you a little bit of a break if you're famous, if you're a celebrity. But if you can't can't maintain for more than a few minutes, they're, they're going to eat you up alive. So I'm very proud of you, and I love that you've been working on on your craft and and that uh, and I and I've watched it and it's good. So I'm, you're an inspiration, and I want to do the same thing. So Citric, thank you. Oh no, thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. You know, like I say, yeah, let's get together and do something, man. You got it, my friend. We've got people here that that uh, that want to join us there. So I want to thank a few uh, of the people that are here: Bad Bad Bunny, Dave, Victoria, David, Ray, uh, and especially you, Mr. Campos. Gracias por estar aquí. See, sí, hablo español. Yeah. Yeah. This is bueno. This is bueno. <laughs> Muy bueno. Muy bueno. <laughs> Uh, all right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us. You can find me at paulvato.com or at vato.tv. And please also give Big Citric uh, a follow at bigcitric.com. But you can also find him across all social media at Big Citric and listen to his music, support his projects. And he's definitely going to come back. I mean, because I think we've covered about half the things and we've already gone two hours and 15 minutes, I think. So thank you for being so gracious with your time, my friend. No worries, bro. No worries, man.